Hello and welcome to the NLP Radio Raw Review, as I just click over there, I said I just click over there, there we go, <laughs> for the NLP Radio Raw Review, and my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are here today on NLP YouTube and also available in podcast form, links in the description or head over to wrestlingheadlines.net. Uh, this week I'm joined for the first time to have a guest on the Raw Review edition, I've had NXT, I've had previews and whatever. But it's SummerSlam week, let's make it special. I'm joined by Cheshot Radio's Kayfabe Ray Cash, Sir Vancelot, <laughs> Vance Morris. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the show, Vance. What's up, man? Good to be back on with you. I appreciate you and your uh, quite esteemed introduction. <laughs> I, I didn't practice it. <laughs> I practiced Sir Vancelot. Because <laughs> in, in my regional accent, it's Vancelot. And I was like, no, I need to, need to up it a bit. Make it a bit posher. So, Ron's a lot. <laughs> With the gesture I, and everything. That's the first time I've ever been said I need to be a little posher. So, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, I think you know, beforehand, I was like, I could put something in there, him being the knight of the edge table or something. <laughs> I was like, that sounds a bit weird. I'll just, the edge table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works for me. Yeah. It works for me, yeah. yeah it would mostly be run by the two of you, and then Curve would show up every now and then and do something. <laughs> it's just, he <laughs> might up. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Curve never shows up, so that's that's part of that's part of the gimmick. <laughs> uh, so, um, if yeah, if you've listened to me for a while, you will know Vance more than well. If you've tuned into Chairshot, you know Vance more than well of the Outsiders Edge and multiple shows over there as well. And uh, he's been a semi-regular on my own products and stuff over the years. I can't remember. There was a long period of time where we talked to each other, and then eventually, I was like, I've not had you on, <laughs> so I invited him, and he's been a regular ever since. But this is the first time in the, I guess I call it, LOP Radio YouTube era where I'm doing all this video stuff and moving my hands all over the place. <laughs> I'm wearing red t-shirts to be on camera with the red and everything. Luckily, my local sports team, Nottingham Forest, play in red. Massively convenient. <laughs> so I've got a load of red shirts. I'm fine. It's yellow I'm screwed for. I've got nothing for NXT. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. But, uh, anyway, that'll be a massive tangent. <laughs> Talk about what shirts I could buy. Um... But, uh, so, he's been a regular on my show uh, over the course of the years, but first time here for Monday Night Raw, and it's to end an era. <laughs> Just to put it so partially, he was laughing beforehand, like, is it really the end of an era? <laughs> like, is it, does it really worse? Does it really need to be celebrated? <laughs> uh, leaving the WWE Performance Centre, they uh, become fond of the plexiglass, or the bashing of the plexiglass, now you'll get the Thunderdome <laughs> starting this Friday. With the what are the names? Oh, yes, <laughs> I like I like the name in terms of marketing. I think it works really well, especially as they'll be bringing so much pyro. It it should fit the name in a way. Uh, I've not personally seen. I've only seen the odd screenshot of like the people calling in via the screens. I've only like I saw Lil Wayne high fiving somebody. That is my extent <laughs> of seeing the virtual fans on the screens. I've not seen that. Literally, that's it. <laughs> We've not done that over here or anything. To that like that kin, you know, which have been empty stadiums with like fake crowd noise piped in. If you want, some not optional. I, I don't like the fake crowd noise. And <laughs> tangent, <laughs> tangent. So uh, 
we're so we're, this is the kind of end of era for the faux crowd. Next week we'll get proper people calling in. I don't know what it's going to be like on mass. I've again I've not watched the other. I've not watched I've not watched the NBA or anything like that. So I don't actually know. I've not seen it in play. So I, I'm not quite sure how it works in terms of atmosphere in terms of generating noise. But personally, it's it's, it's weird. This PC era has been both a bit odd and a bit strange and a few things that I maybe didn't connect with, but also I'm, I think I'll reminisce on it fondly. <laughs> it's a weird one. It's yeah. It was quite a unique time, quite a, um, I was, was going to say kind of niche kind of period for wrestling where they start to appeal to a lot more of the kind of hardcore base as the casuals seemingly were not going to tune in to WWE and it was like the hardcore fans who tune in every single week. Same thing, like with Wednesday, it's turned into essentially the Wednesday number put together. Most Mondays, it's a good Wednesday number, <laughs> just to say that Raw is still uh, like the bigger number overall. But there is that, there is that feeling that the casual fans weren't tuning into Raw. They've tuned out for this no fans era. They've done th- little things like they put up the plexiglass to have people on the outside, where they were essentially press a button and they make a noise. They were essentially robot crowds. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. Um, Real life piped in noise, yeah. Yeah, like it's hard to get behind Shotzi Blackheart dancing with all of her heart when it was very likely like one of those old uh, TV shows, older music shows where they just tell the crowd, like, we need you dancing on camera. Dance now. <laughs> and they do that. The old school applause sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to get behind, like, when Fox are tweeting, it's like, oh, yes, yeah, are you feeling it? Like, Shotzi? It was like, I don't know if she was feeling it. <laughs> I just watched that and think, the applause sign is up. That doesn't count. It's not genuine. Oh. <laughs> um Plus, all of the safety reasons for doing that completely scrapped when the Street Profits just dance in, within them. As, when they first did that weeks ago, I think I hadn't started this yet. So luckily I wasn't able to just have a mini rant about it. But it's alright. It's fine. It's fine. My own country's opening up. I can't really talk about... Oh, my country's so much better. It's not... We're also crap. <laughs> it's not... It's, it's not going super... It, anyway. There's that massive disconnect again between reality and what the government are saying, so you have to check two different sources. And sometimes you just don't have time, so you lose attention and you hope your parents, who are both retired, are following it. <laughs> so they can then tell you. Uh, so, anyway, that's another massive tangent. I'm doing well. I've hardly let Rant speak at this point. <laughs> so, I was going to, so do you have any kind of... Your, your final memories then on the PC era? Do you look back on it fondly? Or is it... Wait, what are your opinions? I won't put any words in your mouth. I appreciate the innovation. I appreciate the fact that they gave a damn to try. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, wrestling by no stretch of the imagination is essential. So, like, if they were shut down, oh well, right? We'd figure something else out to watch. You know, I got Netflix and all this other stuff, but I appreciate that they that they tried, and I appreciate that they every single time something happened that someone said, "Hey, this will be better." Or someone did something that would be better, or they messed up, they changed. They they fixed it. You know, they had the COVID outbreak, which we they deserve all the they deserve to be admonished for for days, years, and from not a kingdom come. They fixed it. Okay, good. They were there are complaints that this isn't the same without any people in the crowd. AEW had people in the crowd, made sense and it worked. They did that. It was a little better, right? 
So I, I appreciate the that they tried. Um, okay. That would be Good. weird because I'm very much WrestleMania uh, kind of historian. So my years are based on the WrestleMania of that year. That's how I remember things of the year. And it's going to be weird to think back <laughs> like 10 years from now mm. on a two-night WrestleMania in an empty arena like, mm. you know, where they train. It's going to be very weird. But, you know. There, it it is almost it almost feels like watching your favorite band do that one show mm-hmm. in like the really really rinky dink bar <laughs> in your neighborhood, and they'll never do it again. But it was like really cool to see it, but you don't ever want to see it again. So like I'd be very happy oh. to never see them at the <laughs> PC ever again. But it was cool yeah. while it lasted, you know. Like my uh, kind of stuff I'd do before this whole wrestling thing or before I had to get like it, it got consumed because I had to get like an actual paying job <laughs> and that kind of took time and then that's when this kind of popped up but I used to uh, film interviews with my brother with stand-up comedians and we'd go over to our lo- one of our local clubs I guess shout out to the Glee Club in Nottingham for letting us do it we'd uh, go to the club and they let us interview the, the comedian we'd ask beforehand obviously and get in touch with the agents to make sure that we could actually you know, do it got permission and uh, so it's that kind of feeling where it's the people you'd see on television, but then we were watching them in like the brick backed walled. It's the same over here. We've got the brick walls of <laughs> stand up comedy. And we'd like, we maybe sometimes we'd watch their set and then we'd interview them on like a second stage kind of area. And it's that similar feeling of seeing the people which are like, getting hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube nowadays. But then we think so fondly of that little time and that little. Sweaty room, <laughs> it's this bricked yep. up wall, and uh, maybe it's just a one on one chat. And we're filming on crappy cameras of lighting that didn't fit, and microphones that were just picking up loads of noise. <laughs> well, think about it fondly in those little times. However, uh, to think that that would be getting that week after week after week after week kind of thing with, and the, what they were waiting for was to be able to go back to those big 100,000 viewing YouTube video things eventually, kind of spinning the wheels until they can go. And personally, I think what they're saying with the Thunderdome kind of it helps it fits everybody. Like you get to get out of the performance center and back into those big arenas. You don't massively risk COVID outside of your own company because obviously every time they wrestle, they are risking COVID. But the like the fans, you don't risk it for the fans, which is kind of like a n- massive number one priority. Cough, cough. Right. Jericho Cruise. Why are you doing the Jericho Cruise? It's not tangent. <laughs> it's not. They're still doing it. As, uh, October. It's well, if he did Sturgis, he don't give a damn about the cruise. So we he, know that. Yes, he did the Fozzie tour. Or, or the Fuzz- I know he did at least one Fozzie show and there were adverts for more. Oh, those four. There were four. Yeah. And he was, I think he was saying something like, oh, wash their hands before they went in. It's like, it's not. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's better than nothing. But again, you, you probably shouldn't anyway. Uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> That'll be a massive tangent. I don't have. I need to make an AEW show on here like this just so I can rant <laughs> about random things. Uh, so you gonna get you gonna get a multicolored shirt for AEW? Oh, you got the red. I've got, to, I've got to do that. Yeah, I haven't got anything. I've got a T-shirt. Uh, there's a character in uh, Borderlands uh, uh, video games. It's a character called Handsome Jack, and I've got a T-shirt of his unicorn. So that's the closest I've got. The unicorn's called Butt Stallion. It's a di- diamond unicorn oh. with a rainbow coming out his butt. <laughs> so that's the closest. Butt I Stallion. Get. Yeah. That's 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 very that's very 
mature and beautiful. <laughs> and it's just PG enough <laughs> for YouTube. <laughs> it's just PG enough. Just makes it on. Um, I don't think I've managed to stay clean language through any one of these shows, but I do my best. <laughs> I'm English, and this is daytime American TV standards. <laughs> that's like to me, that's just so harsh. <laughs> it's like we, in fact, from nine pm onwards, we have open swearing on our TV, and like you're on panel shows and everything. Like we'll have open swearing. Like it's fine. Like who cares? <laughs> but well, whenever an American sees that, it's kind of like what the swearing on television. That's crazy. Like yeah, like. Who cares? <laughs> it's fine. Um, but so we, do, we do also have this thing called the watershed where everybody knows from 9pm that's not really for kids. It's, like, it's known nationwide that that's the point. Which is quite smart. It's quite clever. It means you can get your swearing in and you're never at risk of or oh, what if it's not suitable for my kid because you're flat out told no, it's not. <laughs> End of. Takes the argument and question out of it. Well, and you guys it... seem to listen to rules over there. That's kind of our problem. We don't. <laughs> Yeah, we're, you do have to actually yeah obey to stuff. <laughs> it's like whenever we did Live 8 and it was performances from the different countries, yeah, they didn't mm-hmm. listen to those rules. <laughs> they just did what they wanted. <laughs> like, it's 3pm, you don't swear at 3pm. <laughs> That's the rule. Uh, anyway, but uh, again, massive tangents. I'm doing so well. We've got, I've got so many notes as it is. <laughs> I really shouldn't be going on all these random tangents that have absolutely nothing to do with WWE and Raw. Uh, but I think I'll look back on this time fondly. Uh, again, little tweaks and things which uh, I maybe didn't like. Like the uh, Kevin Dunn production really got a spotlight on it during this period, where quite often it would be way too much raw underground, as well as another one where I found it almost unwatchable. We'll get to it when we actually get to raw underground, but yeah, the the, the production I felt has had a lot of kind of more focus put on it because there isn't that life crowd to cut to. It said, you might have Shotzi dancing if you're lucky. <laughs> Aside from that, it's just random people in the crowd just... Uh, what were they calling Star Wars? Is it the sand people where they're just like that? <laughs> just making that noise. I think that's it, yeah. Bugenhagen. Shout out to yes, Bugenhagen yes. out there losing his mind. <laughs> oh, he's, he guitar riffs at everything. doesn't even have to have a guitar in it. <laughs> he's just riffing oh, in no. the crowd. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> keep an eye. He is entertainment. <laughs> Just keep an eye out for him. Like in any wide shot, <laughs> you'll see him. Um, yeah. Shout out to he, he and Shotzi, and to be fair, Shafia and Duke put in there a, quite a strong effort <laughs> in these shows. Yes, they do. Well. Yeah. Yes. So, they yeah. they try to earn those checks. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. They're trying to earn those checks. And now it's paying off. They get to stand beside somebody whilst they do the other person does the ass kicking, but they're there. <laughs> they're beside them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. In terms of the PC, it'll, it's kind of, it, we've had our time, but I'm not exactly sad that we're leaving. It's nice. I'm excited for SmackDown. And that's as somebody who hasn't watched SmackDown for weeks, if not months, during this. Like, that's the show that's fallen off the wagon. I've had a lot of my time cut away from me, thanks to lockdown. Like, having uh, to, like, look after my parents. I've had to go and get their food for them and all the supplies and sort of things. Uh, so that's cut. Like, looking after them's cut a lot of my time out. And SmackDown's the thing that's fallen by the wayside. I'm not watching AEW to a, till a Sunday, which is massively convenient this week because <laughs> it now it airs on a Saturday, so I'm watching it in time now. But uh, still, like my time's been messing around with, and SmackDown's the thing that's fallen by the wayside. And uh, I'm I'm going to make time for it this week because there's the phrase when there's a will, there's a way, and evidently that shows that previously I've not had the will. <laughs> but now that I kind of want to see what the Thunderdome is like, I will try and do my best <laughs> to make time for it. It looks interesting. 
But the PC, that's what kind of what I'm reminiscing on. Uh, the plexiglass was, of course, you, I feel like that, that noise of the plexiglass will be one of the most synonymous things with this era, be it them bashing on it, it being used as a weapon, what have you. And uh, I guess or just, or just the overall kind of aura of the PC centre. I feel like those early shows where there's no crowd will probably in the future be really weird to watch, like WrestleMania, like Rance was saying. But like the kind of feeling of it now, with the format that they've fallen onto, same with AEW, where they've kind of found their niche and how they like to produce it. It's like, yeah, like, I reminisce on this time quite fondly. Like I connected with a lot of the characters. Like Drew McIntyre became an amazing champion during this. The women absolutely stole the show. They're my favourite thing on WWE right now. And I'm really excited to see how that translates to those bigger arenas with pyro, with drones. <laughs> I'll see what that means. <laughs> with the augmented reality. Yeah, drones. Is that, is it just yeah, the, hopefully it's just to pan the uh, board, the uh, LED boards with the fans on it, just so they can actually pan that a bit better. I'm not sure if I want a drone hovering above the match. <laughs> this is sure. Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn yeah. you're talking about. Don't don't hold uh, your breath. Kevin Dunn with drones. My God, <laughs> that's gonna be well, that's gonna be something. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Oh. <laughs> so let's get that thought I'll, I'll brace for Friday <laughs> I'll brace I'll see what it's like it's bad enough as it is uh, but anyway um, but that's reminiscing about the PC Centre let's get on yeah. to the topic of the video yes that's right I spent 15 minutes talking about something else <laughs> onto the actual topic uh, will Drew McIntyre beat Randy Orton at SummerSlam in the main event and retain his WWE Championship I've seen a lot of mixed opinions on this, which is kind of why I, like, for me personally, I thought, yeah, use this to build Drew and Randy Orton can take the losses big enough as it is and he can, you can do something which then moves him onto his next story or brings him back to Edge or something. However, when you have Randy, so the, the other argument I've seen, as uh, I'll ask you if you agree with it as well afterwards, the other argument I've seen is that you very rarely get, it's maybe like every two, three years, you get Randy Orton on the kind of form he is on now. And right. this is the form you make him champion on. Like, you run with it. Because in a year's time, he won't be at this level. He'll be not, as in not the level he's at now. It's kind of like a um, kind of cycle he'll go in. We'll have one year where he's absolutely incredible and then he might kind of take it back a little bit, the one afterwards. So you put the belt on him now. You try and get that live pop for McIntyre winning it back. And you kind of... Yeah, you don't have McIntyre go into the air with the belt. You have him try and get back to it whilst Randy Orton's evil man on top. What are your thoughts, Vance? Well, so, yeah, I've heard both of those. I've heard even a few other ideas. My only problem with the you take it off of Randy and put it back on Drew when we have live fans is there's no telling when there's going to be live fans. Mm. So, like, you know, if we knew anything, like the only country that I've seen that has done this 100% the right way is New Zealand. Because mm. New Zealand is, like, completely back to normal, right? Everybody else is still in some form quarantining or in some form... Um, dealing with the virus in some way or form or fashion. And here, like, it's still spiking. I live in Houston, Texas, and, like, we are a hotspot. Like, we have a shelter-at-home um, order. I've been off work. I mean, I'm working from home. Hmm. But I've been working from home since March, and th there's a chance I might not go back to January. Hmm. So, like, you're talking about fans? I just don't see it. So you can't make 
that can't factor in your decision. Going kind of deeper into the options, or in Drew in more particular, or Randy rather, I, it's it's difficult for me because Drew Drew's reign has been, in my opinion, so good hmm. because it's refreshing to see a baby face that isn't scared. It's refreshing to see a baby face that's not an underdog, but yet like is is really in a fight. Like Drew will start to fight happily. But from a from a valiant way, right? Like um I've always uh called him William William Wallace in a sense mm. because he fights like he's got the whole country of Scotland on his back. Uh so it's refreshing with all the baby like the underdogs we've had to deal with or baby faces who aren't really baby faces but the crowd like them so they got to rock with it rock mm. with it at baby face. Drew's done everything right and been excellent, but every single feud he's had, like, you could make an argument the other guy should have won, with the exception of Ziggler. Like, Rollins was on fire when they when they wrestled. You can see Rollins winning, right? Uh, Bobby Lashley was on the run of, of his uh, career, yes. resurgence-wise. He could have won, right? <laughs> so, with the Randy Orton thing, um, it's I'm torn. I'm torn because I love Randy. And Randy is the most infuriating wrestler I think I've ever seen in my lifetime because <laughs> nobody is better. Randy, Randy can make. Oh, and I'm, I'm just ready for high take number one. Since you you've had three tangents, can I have a high take? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> yes. If Randy was motivated, twenty four seven, three sixty five, we wouldn't be talking about Okada the way we talk about Okada. Randy mm-hmm. could do that any day of the week. He just doesn't <laughs> care, you know. But he seems, for whatever reason, to be motivated now, which is a beautiful thing for us watching. Um, that's no diss to Okada. Okada's the best in the world. No diss. Um, so I think what should what should matter and what ultimately always should matter is the good of the story. Do we need to see a story where Randy runs roughshod over the roster until Edge comes back? That's till Mania season, so that's at least four or five months. If we do that, who will Randy face? In the meantime, what other faces do we have for him to be fed to him? If we do that, what will Drew do? Will Drew, because he's beaten everybody that stepped up to the plate, what will he do? Um, are we going to have, like, Braun and Bray, where we have three months of this incessant rematch after rematch after rematch where nobody gets over? Are we going to do that? Which is going to help anybody? Um, I think Randy's character... I don't think Randy's character needs the belt more, but it needs the win. And I know that's a very weird dynamic. It doesn't need the belt more than Drew's does right now. Drew's character needs the belt. But Randy needs the win more because it's not he's not gonna not he's not gonna lose any steam. Randy Orton is in that level where that legend level where if he could be beat by anybody. Our truth could beat him clean tomorrow and nobody would care. We'd laugh about it and then we'd go on back about our lives. But this run he's on, he's near untouchable. You know what I mean? Like, if you mm. watch, I know we're going to get into this stuff a little more intricately. But at the end of Raw, Drew finally caught him. And at the end of the night, Drew was laying. Like, that's the run that Randy is on right now. So I, I'm, I'm torn because you can't go wrong with either way. You, I just need to see how they're going to give it to me. Because just because you can't go wrong doesn't mean you can't do it wrong. Mm. Yeah, it's 
See, that's why I'm semi-conflicted. If I was to do a kind of prediction of what would happen like today, I don't think I'd be able to answer. I want to say Drew, but that is, I think that's more because of years and years of that feeling of WWE need to put a new start over. And I feel like that's why I want Drew to win. But in terms of character momentum, in terms of carrying that forward, what kind of, to keep viewer interest as well, after SummerSlam, how do you reinvent it? Like I said... Well, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago. I said that after WWE do this feud, like Drew McIntyre's gotten nobody else to feud with. Like, he's done all the top That's guys. The <laughs> and even yep. though I really want him to stay champion, he's been such a good champion. And with the world in limbo, it really sucks if his entire reign was this limbo period. And as soon as it ends, it goes to Randy Orton. Like that kind of would suck. But also, I can see, like, character momentum-wise, if you continue to watch the shows like we have, that, yeah, that Drew McIntyre could very easily lose just because I would 100% do everything I can to keep this streak of Randy Orton's going because his character is fantastic. And the momentum that it's building and building and building week to week to week, uh, there's nobody else anywhere near that level. Like, in terms of, like, oh, when... God, no. Like when we were all predicting who was Randy, who was Drew McIntyre going to face at SummerSlam, immediately it comes to your mind, well, Randy Orton, because there's nobody else on that level to main event with him. But then he conflicted it again. It's like, but I don't want either guy to lose. <laughs> so that was my kind of only con. But that's something I've praised New Japan for in the past. Mm-hmm. Is I Those are two you want. Yeah, like the characters are both built so damn well that I don't want either one to lose. But I'm also fine which, with whichever one wins. And that's often where I've seen WWE drop it before, is when you go into the match, you may like both guys, you may like both wrestlers or whatever, but in terms of character momentum and story, there's normally one guy you do want to win and the other one, like, you're not, yeah, you're not, t- in terms of like the main events and SummerSlam and the big thing, maybe that's because Brock Lesnar's held the title for so long that you know, that feeling feels very <laughs> familiar. <laughs> like you really want the other guy yeah. to win. Which is, it was good at first, because that's the feeling you want the, want the viewer to have. But after a while, where it was every year, you come back to the same scenario. It's kind of like, like could you, like, come on, it's been five years. <laughs> Please could you move on from the lesson that destroyed the person, and then you retake, get the title moved on at a big show. You're like, it felt like it was time to move on. Well, but let me, let me tell you yeah. how good Orton is. Let me tell you how good Orton is. Orton is so good that Orton Rollins, right now, on the Raw brand are doing some of the most despicable hill work we've mm. seen in a while, right? What Rollins did to Dominic last <laughs> week was like, mm. true story, just looking at the body, it was worse than what Sandman did to Dreamer back in like 96. Just look at the body, like, and that was like the, a defining moment for ECW and Dreamer. It was like that bad. And the thing, like the way that uh, Orton uh, turned on Ric Flair last week, was despicable. You know what I mean? Mm. But they're so good that we're like, yeah, Randy's good now. We <laughs> like it. So it it muddles the waters a bit because, especially in WWE, for so many reasons that we don't have time to get into today, that we should all be thinking. Well, damn, Drew got to win this. Drew's the man. Drew's that he stands up for good. He 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 he's will happily fight anybody. He'll put the title on the line for anybody at any time. He should want Drew to win, but then we see Randy on the run of his life, and we're like, well, no, Randy's pretty good right now. 
So it like muddles the water, but like Randy is despicable right now. Like we shouldn't like him at all. Mm. Yeah, I'm just remembering I didn't put my little invention on my light. <laughs> so that's just, I was just I was like I was, I was like yeah. Oh, the light! <laughs> Damn it! Right. It doesn't matter. Like Vance, Van, like the only Vance is the only person watching this who gives a crap about that sentence. <laughs> it made me laugh. It's just ah, oh, damn it. Oh. Inside jokes, yes. Yeah. I feel like that's the time to kind of transition to. I feel like we could go on about this forever, just because like it's a whole show dedicated to. Like to be fair, like when they, when they did when the New Japan did this with Okada and Tanahashi, I wrote about two, three, four thousand word columns on each guy about why, and I feel like I could do the same here for Orton and McIntyre. No, if I had time, I've already explained. <laughs> I don't have the time to do it, but <laughs> it would. There's so much to it, and both guys have been built so well that I don't mind which guy wins. I like both paths, and of course, we're entering a new era of the Thunderdome, <laughs> where we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing so much fire. Uh, obviously, the Mad Max tie-in. <laughs> it's just like pff, so much practical pyro and sets and things. So yeah, I think they've oh, also... man, when the show opens. Oh yes, they're gonna go crazy. They're spending was it five hundred thousand just to vent the place? Never mind <laughs> what they're gonna do with the rest of it. So, all things considered, that's really cheap mm. compared to what they would do touring because they're renting four or five different arenas a week. And they only have to pay 450000 500000 a month? That's like really cheap compared. Well, if I'm right, it's even better because it was for two months worth of content. If I'm right, they got it for... Like, that, that's like even better. <laughs> but of course, the stadium's not had anything. Genius. Yeah. They're not, they're, they're yeah. not had oh, anything. Yeah. They get to pay all their workers as well to get the actual thing running. It's like, yes, it's a win-win for everybody. And a stupidly cheap price compared to... It sounds like a lot on the face of it, but it's when you would, if you, if you imagine they would book two months worth of venues and then you see if that adds up to that amount, I think that's when you'd see how good a deal this is. Uh, obviously for one venue, it sounds like a lot, but trust me, it's not, <laughs> it's not a lot. It's, it's like, it is a lot. Yeah. Anyway. Venues, travel, workers, it's, yeah, it's mm. so much easier. I forgot about, well, yeah, there's all the, all the other stuff as well, <laughs> the carting or your stuff around the country. Because you've got the massive Titan Trons, never mind the rest of themselves. Uh, uh, yeah, but I feel like it's a decent time to kind of cut in with what the main event was uh, with the Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, and Shawn Michaels segment. Uh, to kick it off, they repeated Ric Flair's story from last week. I, in my notes, I wrote last year. I was very tired <laughs> today and easily, blatantly distracted. Um, about, he was talking about the 31 days he spent in the ICU and kind of. Uh, we were repeating that just to make sure that everybody's up to date. Uh, but this time it was repeated from the perspective of one of those people that Ric Flair talked to in Shawn Michaels. Uh, he says to Randy, like through the camera, not directly, even though he had the greatest wrestler in the world mentoring him, he didn't appreciate him. That on Sunday, what he's got coming for him, be it a switch in music or a claymore, he will see it coming. Got to get the catchphrase in there. <laughs> it's not just SummerSlam. Oh, yeah, marketing. Yes. <laughs> As I said like a couple of weeks ago, when I put out the aftershock for SummerSlam, I'm not calling it SummerSlam, you'll never see it coming. No, it's SummerSlam 2020. <laughs> I'm not putting in the tagline. It's too much. Like Google SEO will not care <laughs> about that bit. It will just be SummerSlam. It's fine. <laughs> It'll be all right. Um, anyway, Orton... Suddenly out of nowhere with an RKO to HBK, uh, Mac McIntyre sprints out. I can't remember if he hit the punt. I swear Don't forget the punt. He did hit the punt. 
Like, I was a bit confused because I saw, on, on. Like, I saw HBK kind of semi-conscious kind of moving about and I was like, we can't have hit it then. <laughs> but if he did, uh, it's fine. We'll, yes, we'll talk about that, yes. Because <laughs> that made me angry. Like, like yeah, writing, really angry. Because like, I'm writing notes, sometimes I just miss stuff. <laughs> which is evident with that one. Uh, McIntyre sprints out before any damage can be done, any more damage can be done, uh, protecting the man so the ref can get to him. Uh, obviously, it's... Oh, what was the kid's name? Connor. Connor's dad. <laughs> was it Connor who won the tag team championship with Braun Strowman? Oh, oh, no, Nicholas. Nicholas, that's it, yeah. Nicholas. Yeah, John Connor. Yeah. John yes. Connor. That's it, yes. <laughs> Nicholas's dad runs out to help Shawn Michaels. Uh, and uh, Orton... Kind of tries to take advantage of McIntyre's distraction, uh, but Drew's on it, and the two brawl. And McIntyre, as Rant has already hinted earlier in the show, got the better of Orton, launching him all over the place. A plexiglass commentator booth, what have you? He just destroyed Orton here. Uh, but when McIntyre went back in the ring to check on Michaels, uh, Randy was eventually back in again and spins the big Scott round for an RKO, and it's uh, it's Drew McIntyre lying on the mat at the end of the show kind of crawling back up on the ropes with an angry face. And in a similar final run of shots to last week, uh, this, uh, I've called it a pretty quick segment, because it's like five minutes overall, uh, ends with Randy Orton looking down the ramp and McIntyre staring up in anger. But this time it was about a minute shorter. So it hit the point and didn't linger for too long. (laughs) Last week, it was those two staring at each other for about two, three minutes. (laughs) It was like, ah, your show's ended. But you've got three more minutes to go, so just keep looking at each other. Keep cutting, Kevin. <laughs> keep going. It'll be all right. This week's a better. Uh, fi- a tight five, and it, it built really well, and you got the, you got the final before the pay-per-view look at each other. Um, as a final kind of... So personally, it felt... The whole show felt a bit fillery to me. Um, I'll get to why when we hit like the beat for beats, but um, this one felt like a kind of repeat of last week. I say kind of, it's Randy Orton attacks another legend, obviously this time without the mentor kind of tie to it. It's like it's like a legend react, ripple effect, I guess, for a legend. So that's what I mean by kind of like filler, where the story was perfectly fine without this. Nothing was really added apart from, for me, the really important part of seeing Drew McIntyre get the better of Orton. Because we hadn't really seen that up until tonight. And I feel like that's a really important note that they hit before the pay-per-view so you don't go in there expecting Randy Orton with the domination and maybe uh, Drew gets something in. Like, no, you, as we were saying earlier, it's fantastic seeing Drew McIntyre as a babyface that's A, not stupid, and B, can take the fight to the heels without needing all the pluck and courage in the world. So, no, it's because he's a tough bastard. Goodbye monetization. <laughs> but it's it's a... Yeah, it's... I really liked that one, like, one particular thing. Compared to the, everything, every other note was kind of a repeat of last week, kind of continuing it again, again, like a ripple rather than a genuine leap forward for the story uh, or final big note before the pay-per-view. Because uh, I feel like the Ric Flair segment was the big note and this week was a ripple effect from that massive moment. But yeah, uh, what did you make of this final segment? So, I, I, I see that. I looked at it a little differently. I, the way it looked like to me was, well, first and foremost... We all knew that Sean would just pray in the ring, right? Like, it was inevitable hmm. until he got got, right? It's If you look at almost all of Randy's feuds since he started this Apex Predator Viper persona, like, they're all kind of built around some type of stalking-type um, theme. And it's always, always comes back down to 
the RKO and the fact that it is the one move that can be hit out of nowhere. I mean, you know, like that's the tagline, right? To speak to what you were saying earlier. So it felt like Sean it felt like he knew when Sean was coming that Randy knew that I can attack him to draw Drew McIntyre out so I can get Drew. Because last week had nothing to do with Drew. Last week, I feel like he was cutting the dead weight, you know? Mm. But this week, he knew he had to get one up on Drew. And the only way to do that is to attack the legend who came out to stand up for Drew and Rick on their on their behalves. So, and that's why, to me, uh, when he did it, when he RKO'd him and punted him, and he slid out the ring so fast, that's why, to me, he came back. Because he was done. He was gone. But then he came back to get Drew, then proceeded to get beat down for about <laughs> two minutes, and then slid back in and, and got the RKO. So it felt like that was almost kind of a, a very kind of twisted plan to get one over on Drew. Um, and the tagline is for the show is, you know, you'll never see it coming. Randy's out, uh, out of nowhere. And you said it perfectly. Drew had to get something because Drew hadn't done anything physical. All oh. feud, right? And to be fair, they hadn't touched. either. Neither guy had touched, to be fair, all feud. But every week, Randy is beating this guy or he's punting this guy or he's beating this guy. Um, so I think it did its job that we needed to see Randy get beat up to know that Drew can actually put the boots to him. But you never can forget that you turn your back for a second and Randy can strike. And uh, I think they told that story pretty well. Shawn, Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time. I am a, I don't like the term stand, but I am a Shawn Michaels stand. Like I, there's not many people that I will get nervous meeting. Like I don't care. I'm not uh, that guy. I could meet the most popular person. I don't care. That, that doesn't do anything for me. I would be nervous around Sean. Like, he's that much to me. And he viscerally pissed me off last night because you killed the segment. Because you can't mm. keep your... Can, can I say Can I say the A word? Or do I need to... Yeah, I've said bastard. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I want to make you money. He, he <laughs> could have kept himself mm. down mm. because it, it just... I don't mind if you lay on the ground and you scream. Like, Ric Flair screamed. That's fine. You don't have to be knocked out, but at least put over the two most protected moves <laughs> in the business, right? Like mm. other than, other than the black mass, the other than the black mass and uh, Corbin's in the days, like nobody kicks out of the pun or the RKO, and like he just got up immediately. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Mm. Um, but no, I I I, I, I like the way they told the story. It wasn't so much necessary, but. The way they booked the show made you think it was about Sean, but to me, Sean was the least most important proponent of that mm. situation to me. Yeah, it, it served the purpose building it up for the pay view, even if the big moment had come the week prior. This was kind of like a mini carry on, getting you ready for the pay view. Yeah. Right, so uh, now we're going to go through the card in order. Oh, again, we could talk about that for quite a bit longer. I've got way more notes, and I'm just like, no, we're 40 minutes in. <laughs> go through the card. Uh, so as I've said before, uh, with this being the first time doing the Raw review with a guest, we'll, I'll uh, have Vance jump in every now and then, uh, so you don't get bored of my voice. Like for every segment, obviously, I won't. I won't. Uh, I'll make sure he gets his gets his words in for <laughs> each uh, each bit we get to. 
So, sticking on the same topic, we kicked off the show with Drew McIntyre. However, right off the bat, the WWE intro distorts. Damn you, Retribution. Like, this week's episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the gang take over the truck. As <laughs> they just go in there, start smashing stuff up. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Now, Drew McIntyre, one thing we've not talked upon, he's now got swords at the start of his theme. Do you like swords at the start of his theme? <laughs> uh, like, look, man, stop messing with the music. Like, please. <laughs> yeah, that's my opinion. Yes. Like, I, like the, the fact the swords are... They're not, they're not that bad. Yeah. But, like, when Vince made Ricochet's entrance an actual sound of a ricochet... Yeah. <laughs> that's when... It's just too much. Yeah, so mm. the, the swords aren't too bad, but, like, it's too... Just stop. Yeah. Like, um, with, like... For me, the worst one was Alistair Black with his kind of raising... Oh, the creaking face. sound? Yes, I thought, oh, I hated that. Uh, for me, it was when, when they started using Ricochet's, like, Ricochet noise as the stinger, then he got his theme. I was a bit more fine with it, but... The worst one, I think, was when they were trying to figure out when to use it, and I think he just pulled down his hood, and then it was pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, nope. <laughs> do not like that. Um, it's but, really bad. Like, with Drew's theme, like, yeah, Vince likes his stingers. Like, I'm not as much of a fan. You don't necessarily need that. You can, ha- you can have a hook. You don't need a stinger if you've got a hook. And, like, for me, the drums were already that hook for the theme for Drew. Like, he didn't need the swords. But he is like a kind of, um, I forgot, you already brought up the Wallace kind of kind of links to their forgery McIntyre. Yeah. So it's not yeah. as bad as like Ricochet's or Black's because it does at least fit a little bit and not kind of take too much focus away and you quickly get to the theme anyway. It adds to the drums rather than full on taking a distraction away. Like it's one of those ones where at first I'm like, hmm, I don't actually mind. <laughs> it's fine. Can, can I stick up for, for Vince in just this one regard? Hmm. Um, isn't a claymore actually a a, a a sword? It is, yes, yes. So that works. Okay. Mm. Um, but it, if you, and for those of you at home listening, this is a real thing. There's a thing called the Pavlovian effect, which is that when you hear music, the first few notes give you an an a reaction. Mm. That's why if you think of the greatest wrestlers of all time, or the most let me change that the most popular wrestlers of all time. The second you hear their first notes, you get a reaction. The glass breaking with Shawn Michaels, the if you smell with The Rock, right? Um, you know, even more recently, um, the the band tuning up with Daniel Bryan or the Sierra Echo Hotel, Hotel Echo mm. with Chilled, like those things. New Japan does it when you hear yes. the uh, the um, coins, yeah, that's Rainmaker or yes. the <laughs> the really bad horror music start with switchblade like you get (laughs) feelings so you know drew mcintyre's song was just a song right Mm. since they took out the original bad pipe bag bagpipe entrance it was just a song so now it has you call it a stinger it's ridiculous because they like to change anything but i see why because it'll help garner a reaction and it may work but it's just stop changing everything everything (laughs) don't need to be changed Mm. yeah you don't have to fix what isn't broken. Uh, I mean, YouTube, we're on YouTube now. It's like one of those platforms where they've released updates where it's like, that wasn't necessary. And then there's other ones where it's gone. Actually, that change does, does help, yes. <laughs> like, I'm on YouTube Studio right now, and it like changed like two weeks ago. <laughs> so, well, a bit longer than that. Just... So, yeah. So And it's one of those where I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, actually quite like it. It's a bit more convenient. Yeah, thank you, YouTube. Thank you, Google. 
Don't disable my monetization. <laughs> and that, Please don't. Give us money. <laughs> and could you uh, have a word with WWE? They're claiming videos for just featuring pictures. I don't like that. <laughs> it's quite irritating. I'm just getting into it. And then they start doing that. Uh, this, yeah. I, I did see other people say it. Uh, also, apologies for earlier if the if you're watching YouTube and the video stuttered. Uh, my, my, I'm doing this on a laptop and it did not enjoy me scrolling all the way up from the bottom of my 3,000 words <laughs> word document, the scrolling from the bottom to the top. It did not like that. Again, I've got Skype, YouTube, I've got Skype, YouTube, uh, the streaming thing, Microsoft Word, and I got quite a bit open. I, I don't need uh, that open though. <laughs> oh yeah, let's close something else. Anyway, after that we got a. Oh, yeah, we talked about Drew McIntyre at the start, weren't we? We're meant to be talking. His swords is what kind of yeah. took us off on that one. Uh, retribution <laughs> was what uh, the thing kind of get to next. Um, yeah, so they at, at the start of this show they were in the production truck and he saw just random graphics flowing, going being thrown up during Drew McIntyre's promo. Uh, this was a running theme of the show tonight. I felt where he had one thing happening and quite often there'll be something else going on at the exact same time. Kind of really difficult at times to focus on it. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes I couldn't focus on either thing that was happening. Uh, in this occasion, I felt like it after the break we saw Drew McIntyre. Then I was kind of fine with it, and it kind of did work. It meant that all of his words that he was saying, I wasn't listening <laughs> because I was watching all the graphics come up. It was maybe a bit too much for me to focus on what he's saying. So if they didn't want me to focus, it tells what the thing they were going for. If they didn't want me to be able to focus, then that's good. You nailed it. If you wanted it to be a little bit annoying, but I could still hear what you were saying, then a complete failure. <laughs> it depends which feeling they were going for. I want to say the former, just because the pace they were bringing the stuff up was way too fast for any logic, any normal human that isn't Kevin Dunn <laughs> to be able to focus on <laughs> and follow it. <laughs> like, like, see if you would need... Uh, nope, can't make drug jokes. <laughs> just realise. <laughs> Let's move on from that one. Uh, to be able to slow down your perception of reality. Uh, I don't need to add any more. <laughs> so it would... You'd have to have the real-life John Morrison entrance filter. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we don't need to give any more context. Everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> to be able to follow it. And that's how Kevin Dunn does it. No, I'm not saying that he does. <laughs> Just how could he take in that much information at such a high speed? It's impossible for a normal human. Uh, any, either that or he's a robot. Anyway, <laughs> so with... Um, so it was all going off and everything. Uh, they had... they. Like beforehand, they played the recap of Alton and Flair in now with Bloom Effect and Emotions Piano <laughs> to give over the, the serious kind of feeling of this. But we get all these random shots happening, and we end with the screen going fully to black after we see Retribution in the production truck for making threats. They throw one random uh, wireless thing onto the floor, uh, so maybe snap it, I think they did as well, and the other one with a bat saying, Take it off air, and then they do it. Uh, and yeah, so uh, screw your go-home speech, WWE champion. We've got to do this <laughs> at the same time. We're doing this thing. This can't wait <laughs> till after summer. We've got to do it now. Um, after the break, because it went, uh, went to black and it stayed there for about five seconds or so before going to adverts. Uh, after the break, uh, Tom Phillips gives us a long uh, run, a long commentary uh, with a video of Retribution smashing up shop in the production truck. Uh, say he's then saying the group uh, demanded Robbie taken off air. My first thought, so what's this then? <laughs> We're back immediately after the ad break. Like, Retribution taking the show off the air, but only for this conveniently timed ad break. And, and after that, it's on fine again. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the the show goes black and off the air at the start of the show. <laughs> it's an odd one. It was very different. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Very different. Yeah, it works in that one. Obviously, I can take the piss out of it <laughs> with the or we're taking off for, for this ad break. We're going to revenue help help you with your revenue. We're actually really kind to you, WWE, but you can't see it. You're too blind for it. <laughs> um, and, and then after that, the thing that I was praising as well, uh, Drew McIntyre was hyping up the other baby faces in the gym. And again, this, the other thing this PC has been really good for is little character moments. And this was another one with Seth Rollins sarcastically clapping his way in. Obviously. He sees himself as the locker room leader and would take offence to Drew taking charge like this. It's like, yes, of course he would. And you don't have to Baron Corbin him. <laughs> Where he's just like, no, I am the leader here. I am the king. You're like, yeah, like yeah, Seth Rollins is way more than that. <laughs> it makes all the it makes all the sense of the world that Seth Rollins' character would react to that kind of circumstance. So, yes, there's that. Um, but Retribution, again, another one where it's a bit of a mixed one. Like week one, they made quite a statement, quite a uh, kind of arrival, uh, arrival along with god awful camera work. But it was memorable, like super memorable, like a chainsaw in the ring. That's not. It was just that visual alone. That's super yes. memorable. Yes. However, by Raw, the very next Raw, they were throwing cinder blocks. Through a glass window, which was the same glass window that uh, the Street Profits drove the Viking Raiders through like two weeks prior. So they've only just rebuilt it. They're not smashing to destroy. They're smashing to be inconvenient. (laughs) That's a reoccurring thing. Yeah. You've got to see that. It keeps happening. Also, they smashed the window and you think, oh, so maybe they're smashing the window so they can then go through the window and get into the... No, they're smashing it and then, then leaving. There's There's actually no reason for the thing they're doing. It's just, ah... Visual thing. There you go. Thing smashed through window. And it's like, okay, fine. They're doing random stuff. And that first week, you felt like there was a direction. Like, even though it's random chaos, they're kind of targeting and going after specific things. Then, this, then as weeks have gone by, it's become less and less and less. <laughs> to the point where I just don't... When they're coming up now, it's kind of like, oh, what are you going to do this week? That's kind of less and less impactful and more the run of the norm. And that's what this week was. Like, if you want to cause chaos, you go to the production truck. And I did like a little bit. It's one of those things where when they came back from break, it's with MVP and he was in the ring trying to give his promo and it stayed on the main cam. Like, I really liked that, where it stayed on the main camera and it didn't cut away. Uh, like, and as the segment goes on, like, one by one, the cameras get picked up off the floor and the shot comes back into commission. Like, yeah, like, that's fine. I liked that idea. Like, I see what they're trying to convey here. It makes sense as long as you don't think about it. Like, like don't think about it. <laughs> don't think about it, Matt. <laughs> but why would the cameras be the thing in the production truck that doesn't affect the actual in-ring cameras? <laughs> they're not connected by a massive wire. <laughs> it's like, no, don't think about it. It's fine. But again, the feeling they were trying to convey, it felt different. It was, that was original. But again, Cinderblock through a window, you have no intents of, entering <laughs> it's just a bit weird in terms of yeah the previous clear direction the group had um and obviously that makes me a bit worried that the visuals they're trying to convey what of recent happenings are like oh that's the image that we've seen recently rather than that's a clear direction for these characters that has me a little bit worried maybe after SummerSlam we'll get some direction maybe in the oh, thunderdome 
in the Thunderdome, we'll get something. Like, we've got drones. You can do your very own Vanguard we've angle. <laughs> <laughs> we've got drones. That's a fix. Um, yeah, surely, though, right? I mean, surely there's got to be some type of reveal on SummerSlam, don't you think? Yeah, and I don't know. In terms of you'll never see it coming, I don't know if that'll be tied to Retribution. I don't know if like, the lead will be revealed, if Selena Vega and the poisoning angle, if that's going to be somehow tied to it. That's clever. Um, oh, Samoa Joe seems to be know all the information. Yes, he's become um, the guy that knows everybody, and I mean everybody. Everyone loves Samoa Joe. Of course, he knows everything. <laughs> it's fine. Matt, you you were watching Adam's Era, right? I've gone back and watched it. I didn't start till two thousand and five, but I was aware okay, of its existence. I remember you being a newer fan, but I thought you had seen some of it. There was a guy back in the day named Just Joe, who yes. literally just was around to tell all the gossip. <laughs> and so I guess Joe is now just just, just Samoa Joe. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, just a quick hit on the on the retribution thing. I'm excited and, and well, let me change that. I'm interested in the possibilities, and it's been three weeks, so I'm not going to turn on something in three weeks. Oh yeah, but they're really hot and cold because, like you said, mm. the first week was fire. Um, you know, at first rather than at first SmackDown, then they're doing like Riot Squad level chicanery. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, like on SmackDown last week, they break in the back, beat up everybody. God bless Drake Younger because he took a hell of a bump. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and then do all that where the whole locker room goes to find them, and then they dip. You said you think they have a like they had a clear direction. They don't. Have, they've never had a clear direction to me because they haven't said a word. They just like mm. breaking stuff. <laughs> so mm. that's what I'm looking forward to. This inevitable, whether it is. Sunday at uh, SummerSlam, whether it's Friday or Monday, or whether it's Payback, which is next Sunday. Mm. Um, somewhere in between that, they have, they're eventually going to have to come up with some type of reveal of either a member or a leader or a mouthpiece or something, and they're going to have to give a demand or a reason, because you can't just keep doing this random stuff. And why did why does the, why does the performance center not have security and i don't mean like oh, the wow. small guys who work there <laughs> like, say, where are the cops do not see smackdown with their incredible security <laughs> when they cut to them like oh we've got our heightened security and cuts to just two random lads <laughs> just stood there in front of the like on the door that like, oh what if that doesn't stop them oh i, I don't know what will okay. <laughs> right well <laughs> yeah. that'll fix it yeah. i will one more thing to say shout out to the fact that remember the first night the first two nights, they were like all five nine guys that looked like they were kids yes. that like, you know, were celebrating after a high school football win. Mm. Like, if you've noticed, every week there's been more and more people, and they're mm. of varying sizes, <laughs> yeah, and it nightmare, makes yeah. this. So it makes that's one thing I really enjoy about the angle because it makes it look like you have no idea how many people are a part of this thing. Mm. You know, if it was the same five people. Then yeah, this might get old pretty quick. But like literally every week you got two more people. Or the other what was it? Um God, was it Monday or one of those days um yeah, no, Friday. Because they they messed up the uh first match between E and Morrison. When like the girl got in the ring and then three people were on the apron and then there was like twelve people right there by the commentary table and there's people in like that's that's legitimately terrifying when you have no idea who they are and it's that many people. So that's the interesting part. We just got to get that. We got to get there. Yeah, I'm... 
Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. We'll we'll wait and see what. The, there's not really much you can pass it on, rather than you can say well, from week to week there. Because I think the phrase I would use is targeted chaos, and it just became chaos. As in, that's yeah. kind of how I feel. It's become over time, and I'd be quite. I quite like when I say di- some direction. And after SummerSlam is the perfect time to do that, or even launch it at SummerSlam in one of the angles. Or if you really have to, you uh, what were they called? Ah, oh, what Barrett's group Nexus? That's it. Who you Nexus it? Where they kind of have an effect over the entire show, or something like that. Yeah, I guess. I guess no ties, gentlemen. Yeah, it's like a I guess don't touch the- like a riot style Nexus. I guess oh, that's, that's my that's my fear. <laughs> As in the yeah, like the chaos well, let me going. tell you what it is. It's, it's aces and eights. Oh, yes. Oh, you can reveal them one by one. and Yes. It's aces yes. and eights. Yeah. But just Bully Ray won't have to take the whole two hours of a whole impact to explain why it makes sense because none of it made sense in real time. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to make uh, anybody marry a Hogan. It'll be all right. Just leave it. <laughs> just don't do it. <laughs> they want to be safe. There's no yes. need to go that deep into the con. <laughs> it's all right. That was commitment, bully. I accept that. We didn't need to go that far. It was like not in the script. Uh, fair to say, he got carried away with that one. In kayfabe, I know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so uh, uh, then we got the hurt business coming out, and as I said, uh, interesting way of filming it to begin with. This is a full-on main shot, and then over the course of time, throughout the promo, the cameramen at ringside picked up their cameras. Uh, MVP runs on Apollo. Uh, the champ isn't tough. Lashley is tough. Shelton is tough. If the champ continues, he'll end up with his friends in catering. Uh, continues with the conspiracy that Retribution somehow linked to Apollo. Uh, the lights flickering purposely to put Porter off of his game. Uh, then the champion Cruz arrives. Uh, says MVP accusing him of being behind Retribution is low. It's just him trying to play distraction ahead of their match. Which is followed by a great response from MVP who hits on Apollo's WWE career so far. A full run of con- constant stop-starts, hot and then cold. Uh, Porter sees fear in Cruz's eyes. Fear of losing that United States Championship because he knows as soon as he does, it's back to catering for you. Uh, Cruz fights back, of course. Uh, that's why I'm fighting so damn hard. Uh, the champ lays down a challenge. If Selton is so tough, then... If he can beat him tonight, then both Benjamin and Lashley will be banned from ringside at SummerSlam. Uh, cleverly playing into the ego of the Hurt business. Uh, what do you make of the Hurt business and, I guess, MVP's run during this lockdown period? Oh, my God. MVP has been a godsend. Um, I've always been a uh, massive MVP mark. MVP lives in Houston, mm. right? So, like, uh, you know... Um, so I, I, I think he's amazing. He's given new life to Lashley. He's given new life to Shelton. If we're keeping it 100%, he's given new life to Apollo, to Cedric, to Ricochet, and Mustafa. But Mustafa is great by himself. He doesn't need anybody else. But, like, he's single-handedly made all these people viable again, right? Like, we'll, we'll, we'll go – I know you're, we're going beat by beat, but we'll, we'll go into this. But think about it. Like, all the people I, I mentioned had three or four segments on the show. Mm. Where like a month ago they wasn't even on, you know what I mean? So like that's it's and it's all because MVP has concocted and webbed and woven this big web of storyline after storyline after interarching storyline, and he's just been fantastic. And uh, the I'm ready for the story and him and Apollo to be done, 
But the her business is such a dope idea, mm-hmm. and um, it, I'm just happy it's not Nation of Domination uh, oh, yes. 2020. Like it's a it's a it's almost a. <laughs> this doesn't help with the idea that WWE is still in TNA storylines from the from the early 20 2000s. But this is almost like Beatdown Clan 2020. <laughs> yes. I've, in my notes, I've put, like, even when I was creating like, images and things, I called them like the, uh, the, the um, Hurt Business Beatdown or something like that. Just a little note to myself. <laughs> it's just, yes. Uh, especially as both yeah. Lashley and MVP were in that group. Like, that doesn't exactly. help. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Sheldon is playing the role of Kenny King. Yes. yes. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yes. Uh, was, but they're, they're fantastic. Was uh, Samoa Joe was initially in that group, if I'm right? Joe was the fourth, yes. Yes, yeah. I think Joe got hurt or Kenny got hurt. Some kind of way one of them got hurt because they were mm. all four went together for a very long amount of time, but that, that mm. was those were the four members. Yes. And w- it was was Loki in there for a second? Yes, yes, he definitely Yeah, because he returned, I think, with uh, that angle, yeah. Okay. Yeah, great. I've, yeah, really rated Beatdown Clan. And this is like a upmarket version where I get the all CEOs. And, oh, yes, that's rated mm-hmm. so much. And MVP on the promos has been absolute fire. And very, very clearly, doing an amazing job. Like, he's very, very clearly getting everybody over. Like, he, his character is, is the thing that I really like going into SummerSlam. If you can get MVP by himself, he is totally beatable. It's only if there's Lashley or Benjamin, like, he will he could take the opportunities from them and pick up the win. But all these young, talented guys, you know, the guys that he tried to recruit, he did it for a reason, and they can legit beat him. It's kind of like a consistency that I can really enjoy. Like, you normally only see this kind of consistency, I guess, with a Heyman type, where they try and recruit somebody, then when they fail, they then don't go, oh, well, you're crap anyway. Like, no, like, there's a reason I tried to recruit you. You're really good, and I fear you for that. And that's, I've got these big lads behind me. <laughs> There's gonna if I was one on one, you would beat my ass. And oh, I've said ass. <laughs> you censored well, yourself for my money. That's true. <laughs> uh, my only concern is, and tell me if you agree, that MVP's on the run of his life. But hmm. do you think that him being the kind of front man of this group and being not only the front man on the mic but the front man in the ring is Stifling Lashley a bit. I feel as long as like my my prediction for SummerSlam. I've actually got one for this one. As long nice. as, um, as long as Apollo Cruz retains at SummerSlam because he has MVP on his own, and in every single match they're building up this group. Whenever they have MVP by himself, he gets beat. Like that is the run of the match every single time. When Lashley and Benjamin come in, then MVP can get some offense in. Or within the rhythm of the match when they're kind of like tagging in and out. But by himself, he gets beat. He gets pinned. And that's been the rhythm of it every single time. So at SummerSlam, when they're by themselves, I feel like they've set up the story really well for MVP to get beaten. Like, you do it again. Then, Payback is one week after, which is insane. (laughs) They're doing another show one week after. Yeah, wow. But you can book... Apollo Crews versus Bobby Lashley for that show, and Lashley wins. So you get your big kind of feel-good moment at SummerSlam until it all goes to crap the very next week, and then you can have Lashley kind of go over there and beat Apollo Crews because Lashley and Benjamin are the two that can win. Like again, Shelton against like the lower card guys, but Lashley can destroy everybody, uh, which sometimes like is it. to detriment to fan favorites. <laughs> it's kind of like a kind of sometimes, uh, but I personally that's what I would do. 
I'd have MVP lose, like, but ultimately the Hurt Business win because Lashley wins. Um, but if MVP wins at SummerSlam, then that destroys everything I just said. It <laughs> just erases it all. <laughs> then I am with you in a bit of worry. <laughs> if like, then the focus is like really on MVP. Like, no, he can beat these guys. He's an amazing wrestler. Like, no, I like, yeah. they've nailed character work as well throughout this period. So I feel like MVP should lose specifically because of that. Uh, Agreed. After that, we got uh, Apollo Crews versus Shelton Benjamin. The match was set up. Uh, was building nice until R-Truth runs into the ring, chased by the ninjas, of course, and they all run through the ring and up the ramp. Uh, Apollo using the distraction to catch Benjamin off guard, and therefore MVP has to wrestle by himself. Uh, post-match, the Hurt Business attempt a beatdown. Say, I told you wrote it in the notes. <laughs> but Apollo's well amigos done. make the save. Uh, Ricochet, Alexander and Mustafa Ali all help fight off the heels. Uh, those weeks of building MVP as a totable, totally beatable heel, if only it's not for Lashley or Benjamin. It's about to pay off. I will say throughout the entirety of this, I've been getting high CPU warnings, so hopefully it's not too laggy. If I'm right, the audio is always fine. It's just the video that gets a bit blur. Um, before, what's before what? Oh, yeah, see, so uh, post-match, the Hurt Business lay that down, and uh, they're stomping on him. Uh, they make the save. And uh, before that, before we move on, our truth runs back down the ramp, <laughs> along ringside and right into a big boot from Benjamin. One, two, three, and we have a new 24-7 champion. Uh, the group semi-enjoy their consolation prize. <laughs> MVP grabs the mic, <laughs> refusing to go out like that tonight, and lays down the challenge for Cruz to pick two people for a six-man, which, again, sets it up really well, because, wait a minute, he's got four friends. I wonder how that'll work mm-hmm. out. Again, a nice little build that's happening, which we'll get to. Uh, backstage, it's the last from The Bachelor. She's still there. It's week three. <laughs> Why are you still there? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> She's still there. Uh, Garza is chatting her up, but LL Ivar. <laughs> that made me laugh when I thought about that. <laughs> I love that. LL Cool Ivar. That's his new name from now on. <laughs> uh, LL Ivar walks in and steals her hand. Inviting her to roll underground with his, with his massive leg of meat. <laughs> There's no way to not word that as a massive double entendre. <laughs> that's what he's got. I, did, I was trying to figure out a way to write it. It's like, but that's what it is. <laughs> no other way for me to do it. Uh, uh, the two, uh, Gaza and uh, Ivar have a match set next. Uh, a nice character bit for Gaza, whose ego simply cannot take someone else bettering him with the ladies. Uh, and I will always remember that segment for giving me my nickname for Ivar. <laughs> Just thank you. L L Ivar and the turkey leg. Yes. <laughs> uh, so next up uh, was Ivar versus Angel Garza. No faffing about. Uh, neither get entrances, which was a running theme this week. And still, it felt like it's, it's a weird one. It felt like something's got time and didn't. Uh, actually, there's one thing on this show which suddenly it makes all the sense in the world why something's getting cut and some things feel like there's not quite enough time. Um, like, no entrances, and immediately I thought, hmm, is this a sign that's going to be a quick one? No, it's a sign that this will run throughout the night where loads of people don't get entrances. Uh, Gaza using the Zelina distraction to take out Ivar uh, with an awesome low-running dropkick in the end. Like, a fun few minutes, uh, mostly leading into the post-match reveal that Zelina really did poison Montez Ford, or did she? It's one of the things where they're showing her, like, oh, she's definitely doing it. But 
her back is to the camera, you don't physically see her doing it. They've given themselves an out. And I, like, like two weeks ago, I said, I'm totally fine with the poison thing as long as it doesn't end up with revealing it was actually Zelina. She was just being a bit of a heel. Like, at the time, I called it kind of like a lazy direction to go in. Uh, like, now we're here, I see it as a fine, small story. Like, I think when I said that, it was contained in the Raw episode where random stuff was happening all over the place. So it felt like it might have been something bigger. Uh, like, that's still an option, like, as I hinted at, like, earlier in the show. Yeah. But, like, on a, pay- on a pay-per-view or post-Raw show kind of twist, you can go that way. But, like, I'm not looking for it to be that big a, that big a thing anymore. Like, uh, the other pieces of chaos falling into place, like, I'm fine with this being a little bit of mid-card fun. Um, I don't really need it to be, like, a massive thing anymore. Well, it did two important things. One, it allowed Bianca to come back on TV and have something to do. That was important. Because the entirety of their careers, Bianca and Montez have tried to stay separate. But it gave Bianca a reason. If you remember when Bianca debuted the night after WrestleMania, it was because Zelina was getting involved with the Street Profits. And at the time, it was Garza and Austin Theory, right? Second reason is Los Ingronables de Zelina, the whole stable, whichever, however many of them you want to count, and the Street Profits have feuded since WrestleMania. Like, we needed a reason for it to for it to extend, for it to continue to not only keep going, or and I hope this is it at the end of at SummerSlam, but to keep going to this point and to get to a boiling point. It's only so many times you can fight a guy, you know, before you're like, well, right, that's enough. So now you only poison the dude, you lie about it, you get caught, and dude comes back and you get found out. It gives some steam finally to go into one of their matches that now, if this is the blow-off, you want the faces to win, but you don't know if the heels are going to win or not because it's Montez healthy. Hmm. Which kind of got hinted at like, later in the show a little bit, uh, but uh, I guess my only thing from this is the Street Profits slash Bianca Belair seem to be winning all the time in this feud. Like, um... Andrade and mm-hmm. Gaza have got wins against the other tag teams, so they have had victories to get to this point. But in terms of getting me invested of can the faces overcome this, uh, they've won every match, <laughs> and they did it again this week, where they won yeah. both matches. It's kind of like, in WWE momentum, that must mean that they're losing. However, <laughs> they've beaten them at every turn, so I don't really buy the heels going in. Uh, my investment's not that high. <laughs> kind of put it like that because the faces have won every single time uh, and as I've said it's moved from oh could this be a bigger tying thing the poisoning thing or is it just a small contained story like my investment level varies massively different in terms of like what that outcome is with that one uh, number four so there were two things massively talked about when I turned on uh, Twitter this morning and one of them was when I logged into Twitter, there were lots of complaints about Mickie James making her return to WWE, but in a match where neither got an entrance, and for most of it, they were paying a lot of attention to Seth Rollins arguing with Samoa Joe. So they weren't even paying Mm -hmm. attention to the match. And I hinted, I said earlier in the show, there was a moment where there were two things happening at once, and I couldn't concentrate on either, so I wasn't able to follow either story, really, until they focused on one of them. That was this bit here. So they started with the match 
and like it's um like personally I thought oh when they stopped and they did this with the no entrance again I was like oh is this them playing off retribution as the previous match didn't get entrances either like have they messed up the titantron but commentary would have mentioned that because it's WWE and Apollo's entrance worked fine so <laughs> that makes no sense <laughs> there's nothing at all um so it's just time cutting it is you got to fit in raw underground which is my Least favourite thing every week. <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, on this, uh, yeah, time cutting on this very filler feeling show where there's lots of stuff happening. It's struggle, str- struggling to focus on stuff as well, which ma- makes the show feel quite tiring to watch because there's so much going on. You're being assaulted in the sensors in quite a short amount of time and there's hours to go. <laughs> like, I really felt it this week. Like, um, I wouldn't call this my weekly show fatigue point, like um like where after I was saying I felt the shows were too long, I thought it made sense to track when exactly that feeling happens each week. Like this wasn't that point for me, but it certainly was the match where I started to tune out of the show. Like you put a match in front of me and told me it doesn't really matter, but I also like wasn't able to focus on it. Like uh, after Seth Rollins walked out to confront Joe and James and Talia, literally become background action. Like, uh, with the latter winning via Lana shenanigans, uh, leaving James down on the floor and unable to get in before the 10 count. Like, I couldn't focus on the match. I couldn't pay attention to what Seth was saying. In the end, the segment became a nothing noise for me until they started focusing on one thing at a time. Uh, and I was able to catch, like, the main thing they were going for with Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins. Samoa Joe has info on Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins wants to know what it is, damn it. That's it. Like, did you have to do that during the match, though? Like, if you are... Because the other thing is, oh, you could come out afterwards. Oh, doesn't that undercut the kind of the result of the match? They've undercut it anyway. <laughs> like, it doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> like, what they did already did that. So, yeah. so, I... You're right. First and foremost, I've, I really want to trash WWE for the Mickey James thing. Because that's just really disrespectful. And... Look, lo- so much of this doesn't really matter. And, you know, largely what's one entrance. I get it. But, and, and Mickey was there to put over somebody. I completely get it. But Mickey James is a legend. Mickey James, if she retired today, would be put in the Hall of Fame next year, right? So, this is her first match back in over a year. You could have given her the respect of an entrance. It's just, it's, mm. it's just, it's a respect thing, right? And she still could have lost. The exact same way. In fact, I don't have a problem with her losing. I don't have a problem with the focus of being off her match. I don't. Uh, I'll explain why in a second. I, but I have a problem with you not giving... An entrance is the one thing that every wrestler has to themselves. That's the one thing. Right? Because finishers are copied. Right? Moves are copied. Taunts are copied. Um, in some cases, music is copied. But your entrance is yours. And it's the one thing that you show to the crowd first and foremost about who you are as a performer and what the company thinks about you. She couldn't even get that. And that really bothered me. The reason why the rest of the stuff didn't bother me is because since this retribution thing has started, and yes, I don't think this had anything to do with retribution, but since this whole retribution angle has started, they've tried to make these shows feel heavily chaotic. And you said it yourself, it's very frenetic. It's a lot of information being thrown at you. At the same time, the time cues are off, things of this nature. The camera angles in some matches are off. Some In some matches, the graphics don't come... When MVP came out, the graphics didn't come out until he was halfway down the ramp. 
you know, things of that nature. There are flashing lights. And while it may not all be tied to retribution, it makes the show feel chaotic. So at least there's an overarching theme. If it's good or if it's bad, at least it's consistent. And the show was very consistent with its overarching theme theme of chaos. You mentioned R-Truth and the ninjas running it out in the middle of the last match, right? He does it every week, but it was extra this week because it wasn't just that, but it happened again later on in the night, and there was the post the post match shenanigans with Benjamin getting the getting the title back, and then the the promo. It just everything felt chaotic, and that may not work for a lot of fans, but at least it's consistent. At least they're doing it throughout the entire show, and I can accept that if you're consistent. Um, so that's why that didn't bother me so much with Rollins coming out. Um, it made it made it feel almost think about it like this. If me and you have an issue, but me and but you and I are in the same building, are you gonna wait to come see me, or the second mm. you got the issue with me, you gotta come see me, right? Mm. So I yeah. never understood. Just thinking about it from a non kfa perspective, if Joe got an issue, if Rollins got an issue with Joe because Joe is spreading in his mind lies that Ray is there, why would he wait until there's nobody in the ring to come out and have a a, a segment? I'm going to just come see you now. Like, this match isn't important to me. You are. And yes, it hurts the in-ring product, but they clearly don't care about <laughs> what happened between Mickey and Natty. You yeah. know? And it's, it sucks for them. But at least in the semblance of a story and in the semblance of an overarching theme of a show, it made sense. Hmm. So, you know, that's kind of, that's how I'm looking at it, which makes it make sense in my mind. Yeah, I feel like uh, for me, last week they showed they can do this kind of show, this frenetic kind of show, uh, and still pace it well. Like overall, for the, so because last week I didn't have a fatigue point. If I remember, if I might, if I might, I only checked. Oh, Hanon's left in the main event, and that's fine for it to happen. Then you're at the end of the show. <laughs> like that's yeah. perfectly fine. And uh, like what well, compared to the week prior, where they were doing lots of stuff and they introduced more underground. Like what's going on? <laughs> like for me, that show was really difficult to get through. Like, I really struggled <laughs> to get through the show two weeks ago. Last week, a breeze blew absolutely through it, even though the pacing was pretty similar. It's, but they were more, I guess, uh, the way they did the pacing, it meant that you as the viewer didn't get tired or something during the segment. It wasn't the roller coaster that WWE normally do, as in like the ups and down peaks and troughs kind of momentum, which means you're a bit like, oh, oh this is awesome. Oh, this is a bit slow. <laughs> type of thing. Like um, They did it a lot better last week. This week, again, I felt it was a bit too much, like, frantic action. Slow it down. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> that was, it was too much for me. I would have quite liked for it. Just, uh, you, you, have a, you have a build the kind of speed of it, or you pace it a bit better. Uh, last week they nailed it. This week, maybe there's a lot happening. But there's a reason I've got just shy of 3,000 words. A lot happened on this show, uh, but not a lot of it received much time. So you're kind of like, oh, you're bl- blasting from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, like 90 miles an hour. And uh, it's a bit much for a three-hour show, which I guess is the other thing. Like this kind of speed, like because Asadudio was fast. And if you did this kind of speed in the 90s or whenever they were still doing the 90-minute show, like on SmackDown, for example, you do this speed on SmackDown, it's fine. Because the show overall is like, what, well, one hour 15, one hour 20? When it's like that kind of length. Yeah. And compared to a three-hour show where you hit that same mark, but you've still got a full hour left, 
It's like, whoo, right. <laughs> it's like, you've got to pace yourself a bit differently. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, so that's what I felt like was a yep. bit of an issue this week and two weeks ago, especially two weeks ago. Uh, going at that crazy speed, but you've got so much time to fill that I'm just knackered. <laughs> I'm just ready for like the next thing. Uh, and it, it sometimes starts to feel like you're jumping from one thing to the next. They can really make it feel like filler because you're not really spending time on anything. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's move on to Sasha Banks and Bailey. My absolute favourite thing during this lockdown period has been their title feuds, uh, like with Asuka especially. Uh, they're both taking on Asuka this Sunday. Couldn't be happy about... I, saw, I think I saw some people complaining, oh, Asuka's facing both of them. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I love this feud. It's my favourite thing. I'm happy to just enjoy this. <laughs> it's, like, it's, um, it's like when you're watching a TV I'm, show. I'm one of those complaining, by the way, but... Oh, we'll get to... Oh, we'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give him the in in a second. <laughs> so the... Uh, it's like when you're watching a TV show, and I'll, like, you, may, you, you might be enjoying it, and then you go online and you see loads of people complaining, oh, why didn't they do this? Oh, why didn't they do that? For me, Banks, Billy, and Asuka... I don't get that until I go online and see other people saying it. That like I'm able to just sit there and enjoy it. And as you know, like mm-hmm. WWE is not my number one, and I feel like that helps me kind of like not get invested in anything. It's, if they piss me off, it Great doesn't point. matter. I've still got my other wrestling. But with uh, like with this, I, I'm generally really enjoying it, and I'd be really sad if that, especially Banks and Bailey, if it if it's not the same after this era. Like, if the, the focus shifts to something else and they don't get the same amount of time dedication, because they've been nailing it, and they've just introduced Shayna Baszler, and I feel like they're doing her really well as well. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. In normal past circumstances, I wouldn't have trusted them to do the Four Horsewomen. But on this current streak with the women, I, I totally do it. Like, for me, they feel main event. Like, the characters are so formed, I care so much about where things kind of swing and go in that, where I trust them to do the Four Horsewomen thing. Like, like you trust NXT to do it because there is that care and attention to detail. They're not rushing through it. Sure. Um, like Banks and Bailey, in the past, they would have already broken up. But here, no, they're playing the long game and you really care about them as a duo. Anyway, so they are both taking on Asuka this Sunday. Uh, nice little touch where the commentators were portraying it as the heels having to run the gauntlet against Asuka rather than the face that's in both the matches. Like, that's really putting Asuka over as a threat, <laughs> which I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Banks and Bailey, obviously, they're putting their challenge, o- challenge over as more of an idiot, uh, but the fears in there in the background, behind the foreground, like, the foreground of apparent confidence. <laughs> like, uh, actions louder than words and, like, all of that. Uh, we got to see that in the match as well. Uh, they they take the piss out of the fact that they took out Kyrie, so their challenger has no friends anymore. Uh, but when Asuka comes out, she is joined by somebody else. Uh, she has a partner in the form of Shayna Baszler and convinces her via to get their match together against each other. First, they need to deal with Banks and Bailey by working as a pair. Yes, love that reasoning. Like they want to fight each other. They are not friends. But they're fighting together so that because they want to be, they want that to be their match. Like, yes, love it. Yep. Uh, which led us into our tag team match of Banks and Bailey versus Asuka and Baszler. Like, I always enjoy the Raw Women's Championship scene matches the most out of everything on the show, like week after week. Uh, the one consistent throughout the WWE PC era for me, uh, I guess Drew McIntyre, sometimes it depended on who was in there with, I guess, like Dolph Ziggler, it was fine, <laughs> kind of thing. But, <laughs> but Banks, Bailey, Asuka, and Kyrie for a bit, and now Shane and Baszler, it's just all worked. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, 
Baszler slotting in really well for this tag team match, which gets me excited for what they're maybe doing. Uh, full of fight and taking it to the might of Banks and Bailey's tag offense, uh, trying to ground her. Until sudden Nia Jax, <laughs> jumping out of nowhere, uh, outtaken is Baszler, uh, which then leads to the heels doing a strong enough job uh, that for a lot of the time they're only just taking on one half of the opposition team. Uh, ultimately, paying the most when both were back up at the same time, uh, Baszler running back down to rejoin the match, Asuka recovering as well. Asuka ran in to launch with the kicks and locked in the Asuka lock at ringside. On Banks, who's then trapped, followed up by Baszler grabbing Bailey into the Carafuda clutch for the win. Baszler comes out of this strong as I tried holding a burp, I failed. <laughs> Baszler comes out of this strong. Uh, Banks and Bailey's reigns going into the pay-per-view seemingly in strong danger. Uh, only thing to hold them up being Asuka has to compete twice. Even if she is an amazing competitor, she's doing two matches. Can she beat both mm-hmm. of them? And I like Banks and Bailey's okay. kind of working they're kind of back and forth well she can't beat both of us well who gets to beat her first <laughs> flick back hair <laughs> i've got long, i've got long enough hair to do it but <laughs> it's got the headphones on uh, anyway so i've ran on about banks and bailey vance do you want to run on about banks and bailey and ask and all this for just a quick minute yes please and if you don't mind i don't want i don't want you to think that i don't like the story i think the story is fantastic my only qualm with anything involved is the fact that there are like 20 women that aren't being used and <laughs> three women are three women are the entirety of the championship of both championship uh, pictures. And then then when you remember the fact that, oh, yeah, by the way, they have the tag championships, too. So it's, it's no qualms with the story being told. I think it's a fantastic story. And I think the way you said it was was spot on. But Sasha Banks and Bailey have had the run of a lifetime in this six months or so. But yet, even though what they've done and they they hold all the gold and they've been fantastic and beating everybody, it's being framed that they got to beat Asuka. That's really showing you how dangerous Asuka is. It's really well told. I just would like more people involved. I would like, clearly we were going to some type of Shane and Nia Jax fight, match something, right? But I would like to see more women involved because there's so many people that are sitting on the sideline. And I don't mean to bring in another company, but so many people are criticizing AEW for not even using women. And here we go that they, WWE is using women well, but it's just three people in two major, three major championship scenes. So that's my only qualm with it. But the, the story is fantastically told. This was the match of the night. I love the fact that Shayna is Shayna. Man, look, we've never seen Shayna Baszler as a babyface in any capacity. She wasn't a babyface when she fought. She wasn't really a babyface on the Indies, and she was never a babyface any time in WWE. The beauty of the best characters, to me, and this isn't just in wrestling, but this is in any medium of entertainment, are the ones that. Even when their alignment changes, everything about them stays the same. Mm. Like I think those are the best characters because they're not true. They're not true to an alignment. They're true to themselves. Shayna Baszler as a de facto babyface is just as vicious and dangerous as Shayna Baszler, the heel. The difference is that she has a different focus now. And that's all it is, right? And I think that is so fantastically done. 
and I was skeptical when I first saw her punch um, Sasha in the face a couple weeks ago and kind of set this chain of events. But then you watch it Monday, and you're like, oh, makes sense. Like, and her babyface fire comeback sequence, whatever it was, was fantastic, right? So knowing we have the prospect of an Asuka Shayna match if Asuka can beat uh, Sasha, or if Asuka loses to Sasha, you know Shayna wants that belt anyway. Now Nia's back in the picture, and when she inevitably gets out of uh, suspension, what's that going to be involved? As we'll talk about later, Shayna's best friends, Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir, finally got called up, and they're ready to fight. There are so many interesting prospects, and it's all because of the fact that Sasha, Bailey, and Asuka have made this entire women's division must-see. Hats off. It is the best thing going in this company, and it's not even close. It's not even close. It's great to see. <laughs> I just have something that I'm this invested in, WWE. I feel like sometimes that's just, there's nothing that's really good for me, but this is, and I uh, really, really like that. Yeah. Uh, moving on to... Backstage Mania, right, just a run of stuff, right, first a VTR recap of Rollins Mysterio, second Apollo and Friends backstage are getting ready for the six man, they decide who is going to be in there, sorry Cedric, and then Randy Orton walks in after they've gone and thinks, to add break we go, <laughs> afterwards Shawn Michaels and his NXT hats talk to Drew McIntyre, <laughs> uh, tells him he's travelled too far and too rough a road to give up now, uh, Drew thanks Sean for being a huge part of why he's succeeding now. Uh, the time they spent together in NXT meaning a lot to him. Michaels reminds him he's earned to be where he's at. He ended the era of Brock Lesnar holding the WWE Championship hostage. And don't you forget that. I really like this. It, kind of just, it means that when McIntyre runs out afterwards, it's not just because, oh, babyface champion's got to go out there and save the legend. Like, no, they've... Given that they've right. got a relationship, they've got a history, it makes sense that he would do it. And uh, that, well done. Yeah, so that leads us on to the next thing. With continuing backstage mania, now with Liv and Ruby getting ready, uh, the Iconics walk in. Uh, Billy Kay says uh, she's not feeling 100%, so Royce will be replacing her. Uh, but the ending of this bit is the real reason for the segment, as it shows. Well, as Kay kind of just says, wait, what's that? And the camera pans to Shayna Baszler talking to her fellow MMA horsewomen slash NXT mates in Shafir and Duke. And yes, it's happening. It's beginning. Uh, are WWE actually setting up the MMA for horsewomen for the main roster? With the PC era finally coming to an end, has the time finally come for this faction? Uh, like I'm personally down for it. Horsewomen versus horsewomen is still standing there as a huge potential feud for WWE. Uh, they don't even need all four of them there. With Becky Lynch gone, oh, you don't even need... You could do like a more low-key one, I guess. <laughs> Make Baszler the focal point, maybe. Uh, and they've been nailing the women's division as of late. So colour me optimistic in that regard. Uh, after that, the again, in the, I think I was saying earlier, in the past, in any past era, I probably wouldn't have really... Expected WWE to handle it well, but currently, as they're nailing the stories and the characters for the women, like yeah, I kind of trust you to introduce more and kind of evolve this world because like the circling lot you've got at the moment are being done so well that yeah, why not add to it, include more people, and that's what they kind of did. Like Nia Jax being in there a little bit more, Shayna Baszler tied to that as well. Like yeah, they're totally down for it. Yeah, retribution. And, and 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 um, I'm sorry, may I real quick? 
Yeah, jump in. The one, the one wonderful thing, the one wonderful thing that they're doing is there are layered stories. Hmm. Sorry, drinking water. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> yes. uh, there are. <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. There are layered stories with multiple women in multiple feuds. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's not the men have two and a half hours and then you got like, oh, well, we'll give this woman one, one, one feud. We've talked to there's been OK, just in just in the show so far, we haven't gotten any further. Just in the show we, this so far, we've had uh, Sasha and, and Bailey and Oscar and, and Shayna feud. We've had Shayna and Naya feud. We've had uh, Mickey and Lana and Natty feud, right? Now we're talking about the Riot Squad and the Iconics feud. Now we're bringing up Marina and Jessamine because Raw Underground was made perfect for them because they had to learn how to wrestle, but they know how to fight. What? So it's so many nuanced layers that makes, yeah, it's fantastic booking. And I know coming from you that's something that you can't say often on wwe yeah <laughs> yeah yeah again i feel like because wwe is not my be-all on end-all it doesn't matter if it's good or bad like they're not my number one like i'm not who like who cares like i'm not standing for them or against them like i enjoy wrestling that's i know it's boring that yes yeah. wrestling wins in the end <laughs> it's quite the boring statement but yeah like um uh, and i can i feel like i have to kind of applaud these little things like that and i trust them to go with stuff um, after this, we got the Retribution recap. Uh, no no wonder I saw others on Twitter saying this show felt like a filler episode, where a lot of time here taken up with promo packages and backstage interactions. Like, even if I personally enjoyed the character stuff set up, like, even I was like, oh, this is a lot of stuff, like, back to back to back to back <laughs> of uh, recaps and promos and backstage kind of talking segments. Just like a whole chunk of time taken up with it. So I could totally understand if people checked out and <laughs> just stopped, like, kind of like, like, God, this show feels long kind of feeling. And that's what I mean by pacing. And it's, it's a go-home home show. Sorry, what? And it's a go-home show. Well, it was is, really yeah, random. Yeah, yeah like, it doesn't, it, in terms of, it, a go-home show really is like to get you excited type of thing. But uh, this, is the kind of, yeah, this, this is the kind of stuff you get in those first, what, one, two weeks of the build? And we're getting it all here. Like, it's a bit, my excitement's not going to be that high. <laughs> when you're doing back to back to back stuff like that, um, it's a pacing thing as well. You can stagger these throughout the show. You don't need them all to be back to back, and uh, it, that's what that's what I meant. This is the like the slow I was talking about earlier. <laughs> what earlier is like high speed and frantic. This is right down. <laughs> just people just talking, and then you move to someone else where it's people just talking. After you've seen mental action, <laughs> just going at a crazy mile an hour. Uh, anyway. So we get it. That's our retribution recap. Then we got to the match of Ruby Riot versus Peyton Royce. Um, another short, no time wasted, enjoyable outing from these two. Like both nailing their roles with this with these matches. Like even if they are lower card, low stakes stuff. Um, again, the wrestlers themselves nailing it. Even if I'm not invested in the story, so I can at least applaud yep. that. Uh, accidental kerfuffle between the baby faces again. That's easy to say at half two. <laughs> the chemistry is not there as it is for the Iconics. Uh, Peyton's finisher is still brilliant. Uh, I'm just hoping this ends with the Riot Squad eventually able to work together rather than entering a feud I'm not really invested in. Because I don't... Yes. I don't... Because uh, you used the name earlier in the show as kind of a uh, taking the piss out of Retribution's not really chaos. <laughs> but... 
the riot squad never won anything. They were never successful. Their rioting was a bit uh, like Ruby Riot made it to number one contender against Ronda Rousey, which was like a peak moment for them. And they felt, oh, maybe in the future Ron, Ruby Riot could get a bit, climb a bit higher. But no, like injuries stopped any chance of maybe finding out. They never never able to build yeah. any momentum. So now they're building this off. We need to get the group back together. We've got to get on, back on the same page. It's like, well, you were never that great when you were on the same page. So why do I really care? Um, and I, I, just, I just don't buy that Riot and Morgan are this kind of duo that need to get back together because, the, again, the Riot squad was never successful in the first place. It's like Drew McIntyre well, trying to get 3MB back together. <laughs> it's like, why? Well, <laughs> you know, but yeah. the, the difference is, to them, it's not about winning. It's about friendship. Mm. So if this was about them getting back together because they, to, they want to win or they need to win, I'd agree with you. But Ruby wants to get back with Liv because that's the only that's the only person Ruby ever really cared about in in kayfabe, mm. right? And Ruby turned on her, and when she turned on her, she felt like, well, my karma was I went through six months of hell because like I've lost everything, everything was good. I need my friend back, and so once they're able to get their friendship back, maybe they can, you know, turn over a new leaf. So it's about friendship and not so much about winning right now. And that's why they're losing. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a point. Yeah, they're too focused on their on their relationship rather than actually trying to win. And we'll say uh, the Iconics have done an amazing job kind of being the heels holding all this together. Uh, even when uh, Bianca Belair played Liv Morgan for a few weeks, <laughs> just in that role, just, it was... Like, the been, role of Liv would be played by Bianca, yeah. <laughs> like they've, they've, they've been really good. And seeing the reports of Vince apparently really seeing Peyton Royce as a potential future star. It's like, I feel like both her and Ruby, when they've wrestled in these matches, they've done really well. And it's like two, three minutes, but no second is wasted. You can really see how talented they are. And like, it makes, for me, it makes sense to, you can continue this, just give them a bit more time, see what they can do. They've proven themselves at this level. Why not see what they can do at the next one? And eventually that's the kind of thing Agreed. we can then elevate them to the kind of higher part of the card as well. So yes, uh, thumbs up all around. I've, I've always liked the Iconics. They've always made me laugh. I know there's something about their accent. I've seen quite a few Americans saying that they can't stand their accents. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know if it's just an American thing. <laughs> like, I, I found them hilarious. I love them. <laughs> so yeah. They will be, they're, it's not, it's, they use their accents in such a grating way, but I love it. I love that stuff. <laughs> uh, and uh, our shucks. It's Raw Underground. It's 10 o'clock, everyone. <laughs> it's time for Raw Underground. Uh, so, Raw Underground has mostly reached straight skip for me. Like, it's not my thing. It doesn't appeal to me, which wow. is fine. Like, it doesn't, not everything has to appeal to me. WWE is a variety show. It's just that this particular thing doesn't really appeal to me. Um, but, like, for me, until I see what happens there have consequences outside of just a fight happening there and like you don't hear anything else outside of that world like i have no reason to care there is no consequence to the fights that are happening there so far when i wrote that that's true obviously at the end of the show you saw naya jacks and Shayna baszler actually have that confrontation and for me that was the first time like a big outside thing came in and influenced it and had then had consequences to reap onto it later. Like, I thought they were doing that with the Hurt Business in that first week. But then they came out the week after and made no reference to it whatsoever on Hurt Business. On, on Raw Underground, there was no reference to the Hurt Business claiming they owned the place. Like, 
It's like it never happened. <laughs> it just they kind of moved on. But based on Nia Jax, that happened later. Again, after I wrote those notes and I didn't go back to correct them <laughs> with the, yeah, back, the Jax Blazer. That was the first time there was some knock-on effects from Underground. And obviously, have to wait to the vault after SummerSlam to see whether we really do see something. Um, but, like, Eric fighting somebody uh, and then Eric and Dolph Ziggler fighting each other. It's something about the shoot style type of thing where it's never going to appeal to me. And the closest that style has was Bloodsport. Uh, Josh. Is it Josh? Josh. Where, 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 yeah, well, it was uh, Josh Barnett. That's it, yeah. Um, so I really at, at first it. it was Matt Riddle, but yeah, then it was yeah. Josh Barnett. Yeah. Oh, Riddle versus Suzuki. Sorry. <laughs> what a substitution. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, look into the story of that and then watch the match. <laughs> so, um, like, that... That, that show I enjoy, but it's once a year. And I watched it WrestleMania weekend, and I never watched that style again until like the WrestleMania weekend again that year afterwards. And I feel like that style for me is kind of perfect. Raw Underground to get two minutes of it every now and then. And for me, putting Raw Underground in there, this week you felt it. There was time cut away from other things. And yes, Raw Underground's not that long overall. But it is things like entrances are going. Uh, matches are getting a little bit of time cut off of them and therefore they don't get as much time to flesh out. Therefore, you don't really have as much investment in them because they're going at 90 miles an hour. Um, but again, it's the style of the fight, fighting, wrestling, shoot, shoot wrestling type of thing. It's just not going to appeal to me. So it's a difficult one for me to review. Because oh. it's in terms of WWE being a variety show, this particular thing is not for me. <laughs> I'm just... Like, I've never but, been never been able to get into MMA, and I guess that might be part okay. of it. I am a big MMA fan, so I I, I guess I I have to understand because I, I get it. Everything isn't for everybody. Um, I will say, in terms of the angle of the of the raw underground thing, the first two weeks I get it. The first two weeks were random, just kind of we're doing this because hey, it's been done. This week was the first week they advertised fights. Like, they advertised Riddick Moss and Arturo Horace. Who else? And they advertised Eric in a fight. And Ziggler was there, and Ziggler and Eric had an issue, which led to Ziggler fighting Ivar next week. So there are some semblances of stories being told. Um, and then, of course, the big Naya Shana thing to, not quite end the show, but, you know, was kind of like the big hook at the end. So there is some semblance of stories being told, but again, with all due respect to how you feel, because I get it, it's the third week, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like we're like it'd be different if we were talking like we're a year in and it's still like a big bunch of nothing. It's the third week. They had to they had to establish the situation. They had to establish what it looked like. They had to establish. Um, think about it. Riddick Moss hadn't been seen on TV for months, right? They had established that he was even a member of the roster. And then now he had a match, a fight, which we'll, I'm, we probably won't talk about since you don't watch, <laughs> didn't really pay attention around the ground. But you know what I mean. Mm. So at least there's something being told. And what I appreciate about Raw Underground is it's giving people, a, giving different people, a chance to shine in a different way. Dolph Ziggler has looked fantastic, and we know he can wrestle. We know he has the perfect smarmy heel-ish, uh, like gimmick, but like. We forget, like, he can legit shoot fight. Like, he's a world-class, like, amateur wrestler. And he, this has been really good for him. Um, it's been really good for some of these guys who haven't been used, like 
Arturo Huras, who like literally can like kill you without just looking at you, you know, stuff like that. And uh, Babatunde, Dabakato, like he's been languishing there for six years, finally being used. Shan has been put in a in a way now where she's looking like a real threat again. Marina Shafir and Jessamine Duke, the whole reason we haven't got the four horsemen versus four horsemen to this day, because they're not as big a star as Sh- as uh, Shayna and Ronda, and they weren't good at in the ring. They were terrible. They were god-awful. Yes, they could do the basics, but in terms of, like, throwing them out there and saying, hey, go do your thing, it was not good. But they can fight. So this is a way for them to ingratiate themselves back into the the, the kind of the public and you might see them a few times be like what well, hey, they're pretty good so next time they stand next to Sasha or Bailey it's not just a big waste right like they actually can run some fights so I get it I, I, I have no qualms with you not really liking the the kind of the, the idea but it's, it serves a purpose it does and I think this week is starting to show that and hopefully going forward it'll show more I, as long as it's its own contained entity because I don't want to take over the whole show. Because then it'll be a problem, and I'll be agree with you. Mm. Have it be a, a contained entity that is not completely separate from the show. It needs to be involved with the show, but be con- a contained entity. I'm good, and I think it this week. I think it's the best it's worked so far. Mm. I would say the because I bought a blood sport, uh, and because I generally enjoyed those shows. Because it's been a criticism before of well, if this is real wrestling, then what's the... This is, this is real fighting, then what's the rest of your show? And for me, Bloodsport was the perfect middle ground where you're not presenting... You are still presenting it as wrestling, it's just a different style. And uh, it's... This one's more presented... It's, it's weird, you watch it and you go, that's Bloodsport. <laughs> it's really weird. Like I watch it and get that similar kind of feeling, but also they're trying to make it feel like a fight club. Uh also, my, my favourite thing, my, yeah. my favourite conspiracy theory I've seen uh, on Twitter was somebody saying, uh, like a big brain idea, was we've seen this with the Fight Club, and we've also seen the kind of anarchy being caused by the group of people. Is Shane McMahon experiencing Fight Club the movie? <laughs> and he's actually having the split thing and the anarchy. Like, this isn't true. Like, there's no way they've done this. <laughs> I just thought, oh crap, you've got the anarchy group. And you've got Shane McMahon running a fight club. What if Shane McMahon's running the Anarchy Group and he's having a Brad Pitt moment? <laughs> it's like, it's like, he's the, Tyler Durden. Yeah, he's the plot of Fight Club. <laughs> Which I thought, that's a massive big brain idea and I love it. But, <laughs> wow. But I've now Somebody moved... was super high when they thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to be on Kevin Dunn's level <laughs> to be able to conceive yes. that idea. <laughs> Not saying that I've got to make so many uh, like statements. I was like, we are not saying that Kevin Dunn actually does partake <laughs> in anything, <laughs> but still, oh, it's such a yes. I uh, yeah, I love seeing that idea. Like it's such a big brain idea. <laughs> uh, anyway, so then that leads us on to Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio. Didn't need to say the same name twice, but I did anyway. Uh, I'll refer to uh, the dad as Pirate Mysterio. Who were uh, with an emotional promo and not being able, yeah, so I'm taking the piss off. <laughs> you lost an eye, you're a pirate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and not being there to take the beating instead of his son 
but after that, we he had to be there to protect his son now, and that's why he's here. Uh, Dominic uh, declares that he's ready for the fight this Sunday. Uh, Ray is incredibly proud of his son. Seth and Murphy appear on the screen, uh, criticises Ray for putting his son in harm's way, calls him selfish. He can't understand for the life of him why Ray keeps doing this. This all could have been avoided if he just accepted his role for the greater good. Uh, the tragedy is it's going to be the Mysterio legacy that will end up being the ultimate sacrifice for the greater good. Uh, Mysterio then challenges Seth to come down. The Messiah just laughs at the idea, like, come on, you've got one eye and your boy can hardly walk. <laughs> so uh, before coming out, Seth reminds him, remember, like, you asked for this. Uh, in the ring, it looks like Ray and Dominic realise the danger and they, like, leave the ring. Uh, in run Rollins and Murphy, but it's a trap! As Ray distracts, <laughs> gotta get my Star Wars reference in, <laughs> Dominic grabs two kendo sticks and goes to town on the Messiah, uh, chucks the other to his dad and the Mysterios run riot, uh, laying in shot after shot onto the self-proclaimed locker leader, a uh, locker room leader, uh, he's not in front of like lockers, <laughs> a mini mirror of last week, <laughs> slight retribution, pardon the pun, after last week's vicious attack. I really enjoyed this, and again it was quick, it didn't like, linger too long, and built to the pay-per-view really well. This was like one of the better like go-home moments, like the entire Seth Rollins thing. Every beat for his character made sense. And it all it all kind of like you get that feeling of, oh, they, he could get his ass beat next week. Like Dominic's got the odds even because his dad signed a new contract. <laughs> they could actually go for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um... yeah. Uh, and it's been officially made a street fight, so Dom has a chance. Um, but with the exception of Sasha and Bailey, this has been the only segment, the only only m- match kind of build to SummerSlam that every single segment that they've had has made you want to see this more. Mm. Like, and it's it's fantastically. But bu- look, man, how often do you get a guy Dom- who's gonna and Dominic who's gonna have his first ever match mm. against who maybe? if not the t- best t- or top wrestler in the brand, one of a handful, right, at the second biggest pay-per-view in the world, and nobody's saying, well, I wonder if the kid's ready or not. We don't care. The story's been told so well. It doesn't matter if the kid can't do a headlock. He can swing the hell out of a kendo stick. It's all that really matters right now. And uh, it's, it's, it's just it's, it's so well told, and Dominic seems to be, built for this he's not completely ready but he's ready enough for this moment um i'm hoping murphy and ray play a part in this too and just give me all the shenanigans and have this a good crazy spectacle of a match um but it's that rollins is just rollins is on fire every touch is old and like I've been impressed with Dominic at every single turn. It's like they're giving him like little bits of like more and more to do, and at every single turn, I've been impressed. That like, makes me laugh. Like if you ever look at a kind of Twitter post from WWE advertising Dominic, or like on Facebook or whatever. Again, only go to Facebook if you want to laugh. <laughs> it will be my example in terms of opinions. But like you see quite a bit of negativity. It's like oh god, miss like Dominic Mysterio. Ugh. But I've genuinely been impressed at every single turn. Like it, and I generally didn't know there were people. Obviously, there'll be people thinking that way, but for some reason, it hadn't caught on with me that there would be that amount of people who are like against the idea of Dominic getting this kind of push right now. And I'm like, but he's impressed me at every single turn. 
why would, I don't have any reason to be against this. <laughs> like, he's been great. Really well, impressed with him. Well, you know how people are. For number one, if you don't watch the show, you're just reading his results. Of mm. course, you're going to see, oh, a guy who's ever wrestled before is doing this. Mm. And secondly, you know, you know as just good as I do. We're, we're a very fickle bunch. <laughs> um, so we're all in the same breath. We want new guys to eventually to debut immediately at the top of the card. But not that new guy. Just mm. my new guy. So, you know, that's, that's what this is. This isn't nepotism. The kid's been training for like four or five years. The kid has been on camera, on TV, in, in not as a wrestler, but in like as a backstage person for over a year. Mm. Like he's built up to this match. So like he's earned a match. This is all this is. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to become a regular wrestler. The kid earned the match. Let him have the match. He, hmm. You said it perfectly. He's done excellent at every turn. Let, let him have the match. What, what is dirt? Yeah, and if anyone's going to be able to carry him to a decent match, it's Seth Rollins. Like, I just, like him or AJ Styles, and the fact that he's got one of them like is incredible for his first kind of outing in the in their career. Uh, again, I don't know which way to go with it. Maybe you go the Mysterio route of. You, your debut SummerSlam, you lose to a veteran, but you did it well. <laughs> you lost well. You lost in style. Uh, Toy yeah, that valiant loss. Yeah. Yeah, falling with style. <laughs> it's the divine. Uh, uh, again, got to reference one of my favourite childhood movies. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, I'll talk about, I say we could talk about that more, but we're edging in on two hours, which is, you know, <laughs> with such a long show. Right, right. <laughs> so, things. Uh, so MVP is backstage with Cedric. I really liked this character point. Uh, Porter stirs the pot uh, after Alexander was the one left out of the six-man tag tonight. He once again talks about his so-called friends and how he spends so much time enjoying catering. Uh, that's MVP to Cedric. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. And then afterwards, Cedric shows his frustration. Really liked that. <laughs> You're sowing the seeds for something to happen at the pay-per-view. Like something might... Because I was saying that... it. If MVP just wins, then that erases everything I was saying about Apollo. Unless Cedric Alexander does something. And you've already established that Lashley and Benjamin can't be there, but he didn't say anything about any member of the Hurt Business. What if Cedric ah. Alexander... <laughs> they set it up as well. Like, generally, because MVP's constantly sending out feeders because there's so many talented wrestlers. I really enjoyed that little note. Because then you're expecting maybe something could happen. You're not as certain about Apollo's retention because... Somebody might turn. Yeah. Anyway, after that, and, it, oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I'm sorry. And, we're, and if you're Cedric, we're about to talk about the match next, I believe. If you're Cedric and you see what happened in the match, you would mm. understandably be even more incensed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before that, we got Raw Underground Part Two. Uh, Moss oh. versus Arturo go at it as Shane Souts. Nice, nice. Yeah, hit him. There we go. That's my review of the <laughs> Raw Underground. <laughs> Uh, next up was the six-man elimination match. And I was like, oh, when I heard this, there's, oh, there's, there's only 30 minutes left. Of this. There's a whole 30 minutes left. Well, not a whole. There's only 30 minutes left, and you're doing a six-man elimination. And I know that you've got your Shawn Michaels, Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre segment to come at the end of the show. So how much is this going to be fleshed out? We'll see. A, uh, a so it's Apollo Crews, Mustafa Ali, and Ricochet versus the Hurt Business, MVP, Bobby Lashley, and Shelton Benjamin. Uh, what a crop of talent in this ring. What a crop of talent for Bobby Lashley to quickly go through. <laughs> like, poor <laughs> Ali. <laughs> uh, 
Napoa Lee and Paul Ricochet. Uh, with under 30 minutes left and that segment still to come, uh, they had no choice but to like to run through this match at 90 miles an hour. You know, aside from not book this kind of match on a show with as much time left. <laughs> but the uh, for me, the building notes worked well ahead of the pay-per-view, as long as you can take the fact that you saw Mustafa Ali and Ricochet just get beaten in quick fashion. If you can swallow that pill, the building notes for Apollo Crews' MVP were done decently enough, specifically for that. Of course... There is that bitter pill. <laughs> you got to swallow at the same time. Uh, Cruz able to fight past Benjamin. Uh, then the continued story of MVP being beatable, if you can get him on his own. Finally, uh, uh, with Cruz pinning him as well. Uh, finally coming up against the steep mountain in Bobby Lashley. Uh, Apollo put in a strong effort, but Lashley caught him with a spear for the win. And uh, yeah, poor Apollo Cruz, which again sets up my payback idea. <laughs> Just uh, Yes, yeah, perfectly. Yeah. You were ahead of the game. <laughs> um, sometimes I feel so smart. <laughs> I feel like red, no, um, vindication. To, I'm mimicking the uh, <laughs> gif <laughs> from Brooklyn. Uh, the rest of the Hurt Business return uh, to pose in the ring with the lights flashing in their name ahead of SummerSlam. Yes, kind of like a perfect ending note. And you assume it will swing one way, but you're not entirely sure. Uh Talking of things swinging, as I no- mentioned, there's only 30 minutes left of the show. We've got another segment to come, and we've got another match, suddenly. 24-7 Championship. God, this this really didn't help the show like with the issue of it feeling pretty long with so many things going on. The 24-7 Championship was on the line. Cedric Alexander versus Akira Tozawa like, seemed a bit like time filler, which is odd, but uh, this certainly will link into Sunday and oh, Eric Alexander's yeah. relationship with MVP. Uh, the match itself, a tad of ninja nonsense. Lumbar checks, Cedric retains. I don't really feel like that. By the way, to say. Have, you, have you thought about how many people got to be signed to the Performance Center as trainees to have enough people to beat ninjas and <laughs> uh, faceless retribution people? It's a lot of faceless people. <laughs> oh, eventually we'll see. Not the ninjas. The nin- we don't need to know the ninjas. <laughs> but the... No. Uh, I mean, if you want to say the faces will, the mystery will be revealed, and then you actually do the ninjas instead and just piss everyone off. <laughs> like, if you really want to, <laughs> you can do that. Uh, anyway, and uh, so Cedric retains, but Pader out of nowhere, Shelton Benjamin snatches back the title for the Hurt Business. Uh, poor Alexander. Oh, like, what did I say about being relevant for this angle on Sunday? He looked like he might succeed for a second, but then the Hurt Business always wins. I really like that. <laughs> really nice little note. Um, promo for Ivar vs. Ziggler on Raw Underground next week. And uh, we physically go to back, uh, back to Underground. And Shafia is in there, like, generally featuring her to her strengths. We've already touched on this. Featuring the, the horsewomen in, in that light, that, that's perfect. Like, you're showing them to their strengths, you know. How really you're meant to do wrestling. You don't, you don't try and homogenise everything so everybody's got to act a certain way. Like Ricochet... Cutting bland promos against Brock Lesnar. Why is he doing that? <laughs> like, yes, that's what everybody else does in WWE. Yeah, but it doesn't fit his character. It's what everyone does, though. But it doesn't fit his... Oh, sorry. <laughs> but so it, it works here with Shafir. That, her and Raw Underground, it's, it's just the perfect fit. Same with yep. Duke, I'm assuming, when we get to see her in there. Uh, Nia Jack, Jax runs in and clobbers her from behind. Uh, Baszler jumps in and the two circle before Nia runs off with a little uh, little cheeky kick before she gets out there. And, and Jessamyn Dukes get, gets in there too. 
And we have our second shot of the three horsewomen, or three of the four horsewomen, in a nice little moment. We've already talked about that quite a lot. Uh, to move on to Andrade versus Montes Ford, who is back. He's recovered from poisoning, or has he? We'll find out. Unnecessary. Uh, yes, that's oh. <laughs> Yes, in terms uh. of... Like, like you, you hinted at it at the start of the show. If you're trying to create intrigue for the pay-per-view of will, will Montez Ford be 100%, well, well, the answer's yes, because you've seen it. So now it's just a straight-up tag match, <laughs> I guess, because you've seen it 100%. A straight-up tag match where you've seen the babyfaces beat the heels every week to the show. <laughs> it's like, well, where's the Clean, no less. Clean. Yeah, yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't them falling out. It wasn't yeah, the heels falling out, which they have been doing in previous weeks. So, no, this is meant to be them on much better footing, still losing all the time. But because of more underground, you don't have the time to do their set. It's an odd one. Uh, street profits behind the plexiglass because f the reasons for the barriers being there in the first place. Uh, this <laughs> this was my how long is this show moment of the night? Because don't forget, this is within that same final thirty minutes. This is our they had four segments in the final thirty minutes. Can you see? I had the same thought. Yeah, like it's a lot, and these final two bits don't need them. Just extend the six man. It's an elimination match. It would have been fine. <laughs> like the main, I get the main I event. Completely was, agree. You know, I get the main event was short, so you kind of added stuff, but just extend the six man. It needed the time. It, it, it was a decent back and forth. Like both of these guys are really good. Like I was just so tired <laughs> and not really taking any of it in. Like Montefiore and Andrade, I, I think they did good stuff, but I, just, I wasn't remembering any of it. It was just going over me because I was ready for the show to end. It's a pacing issue. It's not a. Yeah. length of show thing really it is more to do with it was so badly paced that you needed to go from the six man to the main event these paths these two really? segments just shouldn't have existed uh, Bianca Belair causes the distraction slams Zelina down hard onto the ringside mat Ford capitalised with a roll up for the win and Sweet Profits are back in full swing just in time for SummerSlam and no intrigue <laughs> who's going to win uh, if the heels win then that's not in kind of the flow of how anything's gone if the faces win, that's totally within flow, but there's no intrigue. So, but the heels will probably win because reasons. Yeah, it's WWE. The heels are going to win. <laughs> it's, it's that rule where if the baby faces are winning so strongly, that means the heels are definitely winning. That's the that's the WWE and whoever, rule. And whoever wins on the go home show must lose on the pay per view. Mm. That's an old school vicism for you. Yes, <laughs> so that's our prediction for that. Uh, and that we finally made it to the end of the show. Uh, I, I'm assuming uh, really that the length is due to our massive like half hour tangent <laughs> at the start, talking about all sorts of stuff. Uh, but a massive thank you to Ray Cash, who's joined me for two hours straight to talk about this show. So thank you for coming. Uh, do you want to Pleasure. plug all of your stuff? Um. Well, thank you. Uh, I've I'm, I've been a lot busier since I've been home for the. Uh, quarantine so yeah you can of course find me underneath my box at it's ray cash r-e-y as in mysterio c-a-s-h as in dollars um i am i host the podcast outsider's edge at outsider's edge cs um running running gag but whoever owns at outsider's edge um ample sends you a shirt <laughs> if you give me the if you give me the handle please um i also host um the three i'm also a member of the three man weave podcast sports podcast at three underscore man weave all of that's part of the chair shot uh media network at chair shot media always use your head and yeah black lives matter 
And I will be... You know where to... I plug my stuff all the time. Follow me on Twitter at the Damien Blackout. Read my columns whenever I post them. I've done one in the past two months over <laughs> at lawsofpain.net. Yeah, you can find all of the LP Radio reviews over there as well. We've got all the other shows uh, on here, including the Dynamite After Dark, which is our post-AW Dynamite show. Uh, WWF, the Legacy Series, going over the history of the WWF, its entirety, all the way from the start to... 2003, when it died. Uh, cannot recommend that show enough. We've got Maple Leaf History going over Canada's history, which has just debuted. Hopefully, it will be able to be posted on the Laws of Pain main page relatively soon, <laughs> so you can see all the... Uh, find it a bit easier. Uh, and I've got a busy week ahead of me. So tomorrow, I don't know when it's going out. I think I'll do some editing for it. Uh, tomorrow, I will be recording a... I don't know what to call it. <laughs> It, we're calling it Worst Case Scenarios Roulette. So I'll be joined by uh, Ash from the Wrestling Shorts YouTube channel where he did the black and white cartoon drawings of the uh, stuff. So I'll be joined by him to do a Worst Case Scenario Roulette where we've d- divided the matches like in half and we pick four each. And it's like a would you rather which would be the worst case scenario you have to go with. And we have to cause as much pain as possible with the worst case scenarios. <laughs> I make it the hardest thing to think. And we're often quite silly, <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. So it's probably good that I might be doing an edit for it. I think I'll try and get that up Friday or Saturday. Because on Thursday, I'm joined by James Boyd to review NXT. <laughs> so that's still to come as well. So I'm not leaving the WWE PC entirely. I get to see the Thunderdome from Friday, but I'll be returning every Thursday to review NXT. So there's still that to look forward to as well. And I think that's everything. Yeah, I need to remember to set five minutes aside <laughs> just to plug all the stuff I <laughs> got to get through. Uh, so I think that's everything. Oh, and I'm also going to be live after the SummerSlam. The SummerSlam, what am I, Bret Hart? After SummerSlam <laughs> on Sunday for NLP Radio Aftershock. I'll be live here on YouTube and then out on the podcasting. Are you doing anything for SummerSlam for Chairshot? We have uh, The Edge is doing our preview uh, this Thursday. Well, it'll drop this Thursday, or this Friday, rather. Um, and, you know, I don't know if we're going to do a post show or not. Maybe we'll do something. It's a big show. We'll figure it out. And I'll be doing it blurry-eyed. It's SummerSlam is the show. We've got these notes, but it's 4 or 5 a.m., so I can't read them. So it's always fun. <laughs> it's always fun doing Nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, I could say thank you for listening slash watching, whatever, especially if you've gone all the two hours through. It'll do a wonder to our viewing time numbers. <laughs> That's what we found out. <laughs> Like we were getting view numbers, so we could get mon- so we technically could get monetized, but we weren't getting anywhere near view time. So in I come mm-hmm. with this stuff. <laughs> it's like only if two people watch it, that's four hours. <laughs> it just blasted through. Uh, anyway, nice. uh, thank you for watching. Likes, uh, all that stuff. Like, subscribe. Uh, is it the, the bell thing to know when a video always goes up? There's the iTunes rating. Whenever you're listening to it, if you're on podcasty world <laughs> it's 3am i'm losing my words <laughs> so say like, thank you for listening and with that i bid you adieu adios Ten.